Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss how 49 minutes is not a full hour. Hi, my name's Danny. Not Dan. What's up with that? Welcome to Why Is With Ty and Dan. (laughs) And this week, Tyler is sad, but I am glad because we don't need to talk about one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll get into our thoughts on the finale later. But first, we have... MCU news? Question mark? <laughs> because the one bit of news we have isn't really relevant to the MCU. But since we had no news, I figured, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it, you know? Makes sense. Um, the Golden Globes were last Sunday. And as most people should know, and if they don't, the Golden Globes are a dumb organization that don't really matter. But they are a televised award show. So I guess we do. we should mention... We'll, we'll give them some legitimacy, but not too much, because I want to have it on the record that we're only talking about this because there's no actual MCU news. When the Oscars are around, if there are winners, then we'll actually talk about that, even if there is MCU news, because they are actually, that's, that's important. Well, you know, to a degree, to, more than the Globes. Um, some MCU alum won some Globes. Uh, but first, uh, the nominees that lost that are MCU alums are Kate Blanchett, who was nominated for her work in Mrs. America. Uh, Ethan Hawke, who is not an alum yet, but will be, was nominated for The Good Lord Bird. Don Cheadle was nominated for Black Monday. Uh, Ludwig Gordeson was nominated for Tenet. I know your favorite, Tyler. Uh, aka, I know this is the only movie I, or thing I'm listing that Tyler's seen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Glenn Close for Hillbillyology, and uh, Matt Shackman, who just finished WandaVision, who did uh, the pilot for The Great on Hulu. Um, but our winners were uh, Best Actor in a Miniseries or Television Film, which was won by Mark Ruffalo, who we all know as Bruce Banner. Uh, he won it for I Know This Much Is True, where I... I don't know much about the show, uh, but I do know he plays a dual role in it, so that's kind of cool. Um, he, like, plays a twin, but I don't really know what it's about. Sorry. Um, then Best Supporting Actor went to Daniel Kalula for his role as Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Daniel Kalula is relevant to this podcast because he plays that character no one can remember the name of in Black Panther. Uh because he did the role like right before he did get out, so no like no one knew he'd be a big deal. Uh and then uh best actor in a drama went to Chadwick Bose the late Chadwick Boseman for his role as Levy in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh we all know who Chadwick Boseman is. I don't think I need to qualify him there. Uh and then the the winner of Best Director and Best Picture Drama went to Chloe Zhao for her work on Nomadland. Uh, she will be directing Eternals, hopefully this November. A lot of buzz there on her. Uh, and she also is the first woman to win the Globe, I believe, since like the 1980s. And beforehand, there was no winner of woman winner of the Globe for Best Director. So she is the first person... Well, no, she's the second person ever. 
Uh, so, Tyler, do you have any thoughts on these? <laughs> I guess you like Tenet, right? Yeah, yeah, I like Tenet. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I've I've got uh, the Chadwick Boseman, Boseman film on my uh, to watch list on Netflix. Um, so, uh, looking forward, looking forward to that, and then also looking forward to Chloe Zhao's um, work in Eternals. Um, as well. So, I really like Judas and the Black Messiah, even though I think it has some issues. But I think Daniel Kaluuya is brilliant in it. Uh, absolutely great work from him. Uh, he He's kind of category fraud, though, to me. Because I think it's definitely... He's a, he's a co-lead. He's a co-lead of that movie. But I don't mind it if it means he's winning awards for it. You know? <laughs> God, Daniel Kaluuya, win the awards, please. Uh, when the only other option is Sacha Baron Cohen in a... Trial of Chicago 7, definitely. Give it to Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Chadwick Boseman is great in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I do have a take that I think, for me, he is probably the fourth best lead male performance this year. But two of those don't seem to be getting nominations anywhere. One of them, because that's technically ineligible, because I'm talking about Hugh Jackman and Bad Education. Uh, but Bad Education is an HBO movie. But I don't really care... That it's an HBO movie because this year everything was watched at home anyway. So in my mind, it's like, well, I'm I'm gonna nominate him at my own personal awards anyway. Who cares that it's a TV movie? I don't have a television movie award because I don't really watch TV movies because they're usually not that great. Sorry, uh, but anyway, I think Chadwick Boseman though is still really good, and I obviously I think him winning. Uh, I have no issue with him winning because he'll never be up for these again, sadly. Uh, so I'm like, yeah. And the speech his uh, wife gave was very, very touching. I got very emotional watching the awards. That was the most emotional part of the show, uh, for obvious reasons. And then Chloe Zhao's work in Nomadland. Uh, I'm not actually... I wasn't... Okay, I'm, gonna say I'm not a big fan of it, but I gave it a, like a B. But the thing is, is like if you saw the reactions to Nomadland, most people are like, this is brilliant. This is one of the best films in years. I'm like, mm, it's good. You know, like, it's, it's solid, um, but it's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to rewatch it though before the Oscars because I saw it, when I watched it initially, I had kind of a headache, uh, and I also saw it in IMAX where they expanded the uh, aspect ratio. And you know me and my aspect ratios, um, but I actually thought it looked good in IMAX. But the thing is, is I'd like to. It's getting nominated for cinematography everywhere, so I'd like to see it with like the actual intended mm-hmm. cinematography too, so I can have an opinion there. Uh, so I will rewatch that before the Oscars in April. Uh, but if you want to watch all these films and TV shows, I believe they are all on streaming somewhere. I will go in order of them right now. This is America. You can find it on Hulu. Uh, the Good Lord Bird. That one actually... No, that one I think is on Amazon Prime. I would have That's the only one here I'm not sure if it's stream. Oh, and Black Monday. I guess I don't know where Black Monday streams, but you know what? You'll get Don Cheadle and Falcon Winter Soldier anyway. You'll be fine. Uh... <laughs> Tenet is not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it at Redbox or anywhere. You can find rentals. Uh, Philology's on Netflix. I don't recommend it. Uh, the Great is on Hulu. I have no opinion on it. Uh, I know this much is true, which is what Mark Ruffalo won for is on HBO Max. Judas and the Black Messiah is on HBO Max for like a week. Then it's getting taken off. So if you want to attach that, you got to watch it very soon. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is, as you mentioned, on Netflix. And Nomadland is actually on Hulu. So if you want to watch any of these movies... They're all pretty readily available. 
And if you want to watch these TV shows, uh, I don't really know that much about that. But you can watch Mark Ruffalo's show, definitely. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I highly... Well, I highly recommend Judas and the Black Messiah and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And for Nomadland, I wouldn't say necessarily recommend it. But it probably it's probably worth watching just so you can be like in the conversation when this... Because it's kind of the front runner to win like Best Picture and Best Director at the Oscars, too. So it'd be nice... To me, I'm always like, it's nice to know the winners before they mm-hmm. win, you know? Because then it's you can actually have an opinion on, oh, they deserved it, or, eh. Uh, and then also, I kind of recommend for the purpose of this podcast, Nomadland. Because my basic takeaway from that in regards to internal Eternals is I have no idea how you go from a movie like Nomadland, and I haven't seen her other movie, The Writer. She has three movies, but the the, thir- the her first one I don't think anyone really knows. But the writer is the one she did before Nomadland that got a lot of critics awards. Uh, but from what I know of her movies beforehand, none of them really scream sci-fi blockbuster. Uh, but there's a lot of rumors going around that like the Disney execs are like both incredibly impressed by Eternals, but have no idea like how it happened <laughs> like how so and that's to me a very exciting it, thing because me hearing marvel has no idea how the disney has no idea how like such a crazy good thing was allowed to be made is like ooh, because i think a lot of marvel stuff is kind of filtered uh and if eternals isn't ooh, that's gonna mm-hmm. be really exciting it it, uh, it re- but yeah those are my thoughts it reminds me right? of well just what? the eternals talk it reminds me of uh, when Guardians first came out, because that they yeah, were I think... they were uh, much lesser known to uh, general to general audiences than than uh, than other characters, obviously. Um, and then James Gunn also wasn't that yeah known. yeah. And, I mean, James Gunn had his two live action Scooby Doo movies before that, but he only wrote right, them. He only right. wrote them. So. So yeah, um, I I do want to have the on the record that even though I wasn't too impressed with No Man Land, I do think Chloe Zhao is a more talented filmmaker than James Gunn. Uh, on the record, uh, I also think it's interesting that if Chloe Zhao does well, I don't know. Okay, not to jinx her, but I don't see that there's any way she doesn't leave Oscar night with at least one Oscar because she wrote No Man Land, she directed it, she edited it, and obviously she produced mm-hmm. it too so if she wins best picture she gets the oscar too uh so i see there's no way for her to leave oscar night without winning one of those categories yeah. knock on wood uh but she'd actually be the second marvel filmmaker to win an oscar do you know who the first one is tyler mm, nope you get one get guess one you get guess. one guess you have I to get guess one guess okay so it's it's recent it that's my director? one director yeah it's a director oh there are plenty of is actors who've won i'm Coogler. talking only direct directors no. No. Kugler has not won. He should. It's Taika. He won last year for Jojo Rabbit because oh, he yeah. wrote the script. Yeah, I was thinking of an yeah. MCU film that has won an Oscar, and I'm like, if anything, it would have been Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Panther has three yeah. Oscars. It won for score, costume design, and I think, yeah, production design. Uh, all of which were pretty deserving wins in my book, even though... I like Ludwig Gorsen's score, but I can tell you right now that I can think of two or three more that were better from that year, off the top of my head. But, yeah. So that's awards talk. Thanks for coming to our podcast. Join us next week when we uh, we discuss uh, the Critic Choice Awards. Oh, wait. What? We're at Marvel Podcast? Ah, no! But let's go. 
in the green room. Actually, since I was talking about awards, I was going to go first, but Tyler, I'll let you go first, because I think that's a good segue sure, into your yeah. movie. So the movie that I'm going to talk about has won over 199 awards, um, and that is... You make it sound so prestigious, but when you say <laughs> I know, it, I know, when like, I say oh. the title, <laughs> it is... <clears throat> Teletubbies the movie. No, it was Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure. <laughs> Have you ever no, heard about no. that movie? Yeah, I think it has the record for the large, the widest release with the smallest money coming oh back. Oh my goodness! It's a film where it was marketed as this is the movie that you can take your child to when we want them to scream back at it. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, so it's a Teletubby ripoff. <laughs> but anyway, so tell us about Teletubby's movie. How was it? it? It was good. It was fantastic. No, I watched Lord of the Rings: <laughs> Return of the King. Um, oh, that makes way more sense oh, to yeah. have won that many awards than Teletubbies. <laughs> so I'm gonna make this the least spoilery uh, as possible, since I know Danny, uh, you really want to watch this still. So this movie has quite a lot going for it, and when it like. It came out in 2003, and at that time, I was in fourth grade, so I did not have the appreciation for this film as I do now, rewatching it. Um, and, uh, one, well, number one, despite it being a 2003 release, the CGI is not terrible. Now, I know this is something purely visual, but it can also be something that can pull the audience out of the story. Um, and I say this because the CGI is extremely noticeable in The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, it's easily forgiven. Well, if I may yeah. interrupt for a second, I do think... Sorry, I hate to be like... you're wrong. Well, because you're not wrong, also. But I do think... A, and I said this before when we were talking about Fellowship. I think a big aspect of the visual style of Lord of the Rings is definitely that they use CGI to augment yes, practical yes. effects. Not pure mm-hmm. CG. Uh, I, I'm sorry. You can keep going. I just wanted to mention that because I do think it's an important aspect when well, talking about those films. Well, it's not like The Hobbit where visuals. it was just pure CG. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why I think actually, I think from what I've seen Lord of the Rings, it actually holds up better than The Hobbit does. I do, visually, I do too. For me at least. Uh, Felicia says that she likes The Hobbit better, but... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I just heard at least three of our listeners like going. <laughs> I, I, I told her, I was like, well, we, we can just have our separate separate opinions and you can be wrong. But, <laughs> but uh, anyways. So, All right. You uh, can keep talking. Sorry. So, yeah. It, <laughs> I easily forgive, like, the. I'm, I'm especially thinking of the Tower of I, if, uh, Isengard in the Fellowship. Where it's notice noticeably uh, CG, um, as uh, Saruman stands in front of it, but uh, so there's a slight dissonance when I see that. But over like the story does really good throughout all three of the films of pulling me right back into the into the film into the world. Um, but I was really impressed with the CGI in Return of the King, being only two years after the release of fellowship and i also wanted to note that it even won an oscar for best visual effects um so the cgi also wasn't overbearing like the cgi in the desolation of smaug i'm thinking of that uh barrel scene yeah the gopros um 
<laughs> uh, so yeah, all right. So that CGI rant is done. Um, I wanted to get that out before moving on to my next point with the film. Um, even though the Lord of the Rings films were shot long before the Hobbit films were even produced, there's something else that makes these films stand out from the three films that followed them, and that's the acting and the camera work. And that's not to bash on the acting in The Hobbit. It's the it's more of the acting style um, of The Hobbit, which is much a much more modern style of acting, um, whereas the acting in the Lord of the Rings films was much more Shakespearean. Um, but it wasn't the gaudy Shakespearean, um, you know, well, you know yeah, what yeah, I'm saying? saying? Like, it's, it's very like, believable. Yeah, yeah. I think Shakespearean acting, yeah, it's, it's a it different is, school It is, it is. Um, and it fits really it, well with it, fantasy. It does, and I think this higher level of acting is deserved by the original text. Uh, that this film adapts. These films also have a very good way of using the camera to build suspense in non-cliche ways. Uh, but to avoid that rabbit hole, I'll wrap it up here. Uh, overall, this film is a very satisfying end to the Lord of the Rings films. Um, I'm avoiding calling this a trilogy in the spirit of honoring J.R.R. Tolkien's original intent for each book to be a volume in the single book known as the Lord of the Rings. I think actually, sorry, I want to add something there. Yeah. Is that you, that's true. But I also think it's interesting you mentioned that because to me, it's always like a controversial part of internet discussions when people go like, what's the best trilogy? And whenever people say Lord of the Rings, there's usually people who go, that doesn't really count. But the reason is similar to what you're saying mm-hmm. is that all three of these movies were shot at once. They were. So it's not really a tradi- trilogy in a traditional sense where like, the first one came out, and then they greenlit two more, or greenlit one more, and then greenlit the next one. You know, yeah. it's not like Star Wars or like Pirates of the Caribbean or Toy Story, and all those, all those had more afterwards. I'm saying they're like their original trilogies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's why I'm like that's why to me it's like yeah, I don't think Lord of the Rings counts as a trilogy either, just because of the film aspect. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, there there are parts, and a large vast of the internet would agree of the ending that are super awkward and cheesy but uh overall this is this is a great film i'm curious what i'll think whenever i watch it because in my opinion like well okay i've always heard things about the end of lord of the rings Mm -hmm. it's like it's over long but you saying it's cheesy i think i'm thinking of a particular scene there's a particular well i guess i'll see whenever i see it the ending it's good like the ending of the movie is good um, we bring okay. it close to all of the storylines, um, unlike uh, poor Darcy in, in WandaVision. Spoilers. But, I uh, honestly forgot Darcy was in the new WandaVision episode until like her name appeared in the credits, and I was like, oh yeah, she was here. <laughs> uh, but back to the green room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, what, what did you watch this week? So uh, I went to the movie theater, and that's actually very important for this Uh because I saw Raya and the Last Dragon. And before I get into it, and before I talk about the movie theater, I do want to apologize to the fictional character of Raya, because I've mentioned this movie several times on this podcast before in terms to uh, how its success on Disney Plus Premium Access will determine Black Widow's release strategy. But I've constantly referred to it as Raya and the Last Dragon, but it's not. It is Raya and the Last Dragon. So, Princess Raya, I apologize for mispronouncing your name. It's been very ignorant of me. 
and the reason why it's important that I saw this in a the theater is because it's 30 bucks on Disney Plus. And I want to clarify to everyone listening that I did not spend $30 on a new movie because that is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It's dumb for a guy like me who's a single guy living alone. It's like, all right, what am I going to, like, why would I spend $30 on one movie? And I will, first I'll give you my thoughts on the movie, and then I'll give you my thoughts on spending 30 bucks on it. But spoiler alert, I don't think you should spend $30 on any movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it has nothing to do with if this movie's good or not. You should never spend $30 on one film. (laughs) But, okay. So, uh, actually, so this is getting really good reviews. I was a bit more mixed on it. Uh, I think the animation is gorgeous. Uh, but that kind of goes about saying now for like every modern Disney animated movie, be it Walt Disney animation, which this is, or Pixar, um, they clearly are head and beyond in like how they're doing their character animation. Although I will say the, the care, so it's called Raya and the Last Dragon. So our main character is Raya, who's a princess. Although she's more like an action princess. She never like, which is fine. Like go, you go Raya. Um, but the other main character is the Last Dragon, whose name is Sisu, who's played by Aquafina, who is going to the MCU, so she's relevant to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so there was a lot of—I don't want to say controversy, but criticism when the first trailer came out. That because okay, the second trailer, because the first trailer just said Raya, it just kind of hinted like, "Ooh, there's going to be a dragon in this movie." Ooh, and it kept the dragon hidden. But then the second trailer revealed Sisu's character design. And it literally is like a dragon with like Elsa's face, like pasted on its snout, uh, which is very like it, it's. I like the character design besides the face, but what's weird is she also has a human form, and her human form's design is so much better, and it like it actually like it works more with the film. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just take the face of her because her human design face looks nothing like Elsa. I don't know why they didn't just take that face and paste it on the dragon. <laughs> God, I think it would have looked better. It would have made more sense uh, too. It would have, yeah, it would have made way more sense. Uh, uh, and also, I thought, okay, this is a side note. It's kind of—I don't think this is spoilery. Is like you would think, like a movie called *Raya and the Last Dragon*. You'd think the dragon be a dragon for most of the runtime, but she probably spends half the runtime as a human, which is kind of weird. And it's not like she's cursed to become a human. She just goes in disguise as a human. Uh, that's just me being like, this is an animated movie. It's not like... My, my thought was, this reminds me of like a live-action remake of the story. Because in the animated movie, she'd be a dragon the whole time. But in the live-action remake, they'd want to save money on the CGI for the dragon. Right. So they turn into a human for a lot of it. Uh, but that's just, that's just a really... But anyway, so my thought on the movie is... <laughs> My thought on the movie is um, it's extremely disjointed and rushed story-wise. And the characters don't really get a chance to breathe. And I think this is a problem with Walt Disney animation in general. And I'm very specifically saying Walt Disney animation. I think Pixar is so much better at this, even with their lesser films, is that they always know that character comes first. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this movie, I think Frozen 2, uh, put the characters on the back burner. And it's very much plot-driven. Uh, and the thing is, the plot is just so generic. It's like, okay, so the plot is she needs to reunite her kingdom because this plague has returned and that turns people into stone. And if she can get the last dragon to assemble the dragon gem, she, the dragon can 
turn get rid of the plague i don't know it's you know very standard fantasy mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like all right we have to go to these five kingdoms and in each kingdom we need to get the dragon thing and on the way we're gonna meet one new friend in every kingdom this sounds like and a video it's just game. like yeah it, it, it's very well it reminded me of avatar the tv show avatar mm. uh and a lot of that also had to do with the character design and world uh but i actually my thought was this would be a better tv show because all the the only characters that get any actual like screen time are Raya and Sisu, and neither of them really do any like they don't like Aquafina and K- Kelly Marie Tran plays Raya. She does a great job too. They both do the best they can with their characters, but there's really nothing there because it's like an hour and fifty two minutes, which is long for an animated mm-hmm. movie in my opinion. Uh, but it's constantly rushing from place to place. There's no time t- time for these characters to breathe. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I didn't hate it. There's a lot of good stuff. The animation's good. The score is wonderful. Uh, and some of the action scenes are really good too. And as I said, I really did like Colin Mutran and Aquafina in it. Uh, I do want to give like some stray observations though more. Uh, even though I kind of... I think it's more interesting to talk about the stray observations here. Is Okay. So Kubo... Have you ever seen Kubo and the Two Strings? Uh, no. Okay. So I have this. Kubo is the best example, but I'll just say it. And I th- I'm sure you've seen an animated movie with this issue. Uh, I think a lot of issue I have with American animated fantasy movies is well, honestly, any animated movie that's American is sometimes the dialogue is so obnoxiously modern. Uh, and Raya has that issue too. But I weirdly had this thing. So the first 20 minutes of it, which is way too long for a prologue, uh, is is a prologue with Raya as being like she's like six or seven i don't know she's very young in the prologue she might be 12 uh and the that was the part where the it was weird because i was like this dialogue bothers me but it doesn't bother me inherently what bothers me is is they have kelly marie tran and oh and Gemma chan who's also an mcu along plays the bad guy in this Mm -hmm. uh and she's in the prologue too but they have them play their young versions and i'm like this dialogue would work if i was hearing kids say it not clearly yeah. adult voices coming out of these yeah. kids' bodies. Um, and then later on, the dialogue is just cheesy in a normal way. Uh, but th- that was my nitpick of the prologue. Is I wish they'd got like child actors for this, because I would buy into this, these relationships more. And then the last thing is, this is kind of more an observation about Disney in general, is people talk about Walt Disney animation as like... They talk about like the last 10 years, and they go like, you know, Disney has finally overtaken Pixar... Because Pixar, like, over the last... So, the 2010s, right? In the 2010s, Pixar basically released Coco and Inside Out. And then Toy Story 3 at the very beginning of it. Uh, well, here's the thing. Okay. First off, before I go... Technical note there is people mentioned Toy Story 3. And it's like, that's technically a t- 2009 movie. Because people are always iffy on, like... You know, if 2010 counts as a 2010s or the 2000s type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my response is, alright, if you want to disqualify Toy Story 3, I know Soul came out last year, and I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's supposed to be great. So regardless, there's three great Pixar movies in there. It's Inside Out, Coco, and either Soul or Toy Story 3, depending on how you want to define the decade. Uh, and the rest are kind of varying stages of, like, good, uh, with the exception of the Cars movies. Even though I like Cars 2. <laughs> that is my hottest take. I think Cars 2 is the best Cars movie. Uh, but... I think the difference to me between Disney and Disney like did Zootopia, Moana, Tangled's in that FD 2010 spot. But if you don't want to count it, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, 
Frozen. Like, you know, all these are like considered like really great movies. Uh, but here's the thing. I think Disney has, with the exception of Moana, uh, none of those movies make me feel. None of those movies I have a strong emotional attachment to the characters. I think Zootopia is very good. Uh, but it's not because of the characters. It's because of the world that's built and the caper that's involved with it. Uh, Moana is the only one that really invests my time in their characters. And even, like, lesser Pixar movies of the 2010s, like Finding Dory or Toy Story 4, they emotionally really got to me. Uh, and Ryan the Last Dragon made me realize that this has been kind of an ongoing issue because it clearly is trying to have this emotional heart to it, but it's spending so much time in its lore that we can't ever connect to it. Uh, and that's kind of my little rant about how like people are like, Disney's so better than Pixar. And I'm like, I disagree. Pixar might be more con- inconsistent than it used to be, but when it hits, it really hits, whereas Disney doesn't really hit ever at the highest of Pixar still. Um, and then... To close, should you spend 30 bucks on this? Uh, I think no self-respecting person who... Well, the only reason you should spend 30 bucks on this is if you have two or more children. I don't even think having one child is worth <laughs> renting this for 30 bucks. Spend, spend that $30 on the most expensive popcorn that you can buy. and Yeah, I, you know. I, I, it's not a good movie either. Actually, it's okay. Well, Raya is okay. It might be sound very natural. I think Raya is a very solid movie. It is not good. It is not bad. It is solid. Uh, and I, I sound like I'm being very negative towards it. Uh, but I, I, it's just I was expecting more out of it. Uh, but my point is, if you want to spend thirty bucks on movie night with your single, with your one child, spend fifteen dollars on HBO Max. You can survive Tom and Jerry. And you can spend the extra $15 on some nice snacks. Instead of spending... And then you'll also have a ton of HBO content for a month to watch. So it's a win-win situation. Um, alternatively, if you're a single person you want to spend an unreasonable amount of money on a rental, uh, there's this really great... You could rent Minari for 20 bucks. You could rent Promising Young Woman for 20 bucks. All these are great Oscar contenders. Furthermore, it's like... It's ten dollars cheaper, so it's, it's still you're ten dollars for snacks. We're st- yeah, I think, we're, I think snacks, we're a little exactly. bit hungry, Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, but yeah, uh, Ryan the Last Dragon. It's perfectly average. Sorry, Disney. Maybe next time you'll get me. Hopefully you do, because next their next movie on their docket is a Lin Manuel Miranda musical, like Moana was. Mm. Uh, I don't know who's directing it though, because. Uh, yeah, Moana was directed by the people who like did classic Disney movies, like really like Aladdin. Uh, whereas all the other ones are made, by, all the other 2010 ones are made by like, New Blood. So, but yeah, we'll see about that next week. Danny and I will actually have a special in the green room segment for you, as we will be in between uh, two Disney Plus series and ha- no MCU films being uh, released. Uh, next week so we this will... will be a little bit of a tradition we're going to start uh, only after the, the season finales of shows we won't do this after like Black Widow comes out and we won't do this after um, yeah basically whenever we won't do, this is only for after season finales because uh, otherwise this would become way too much if we do it after like every if we do it every break week because we have like a month of break weeks coming up in May <laughs> and that sounds no we're not going to do it yeah but 
basically, we're going to give each other a green room movie that they have to watch. Uh, and I'll go first, because, yeah, I know what you're going to give me, and I'm not too hyped about it. So I'm going to try <laughs> to start on a good note. Um, I'm giving Tyler the 2018 film, Can You Ever Forgive Me?, which is directed by Mar- Marielle Heller. Uh, I'm going to explain a bit what this movie is, because... Personally, in my opinion, if you're listening to this podcast and you have time, you might as well check up these movies because for once you'll actually be able to like follow along on our discussion of them, you know? Um, so can you ever forgive me? I'm recommending it to you because you told me a few weeks ago that you despise Melissa McCarthy. I, uh, I just heard the acting. Well, I, I, I don't blame you for being kind of her, – her comedy style is divisive. Mm-hmm. Can you ever forgive me is a dramedy that she was Oscar nominated for. Um, and it's about Lee Israel, who... It's a true story. Uh, she was a writer uh, in the 90s who eventually discovered that people will spend a ton of money on writer on like memorabilia from writers. Uh, so she would forge letters from like very famous writers and sell them at antique shops. Uh, and it's a crime movie about that. It's very good. Uh, but it's... I think you'll really like it. It also has Richard E. Grant, who we, I had speculated would be in the WandaVision finale, but wasn't. Uh, but he'll still be in Loki, so you'll have a knowledge of why I'm excited to see him pop up in these. Uh, he's very good in it, too. In my opinion, he should have won the Oscar. Uh, Melissa McCarthy was... She was would be my number two that year. I can't remember who would be number one, but I remember not thinking... I didn't think she should win, but I thought she was really great in it, too. Uh, but it's a really good movie. Uh, everyone should watch it, and Tyler, you don't have to watch it. Uh, this is a mo- movie that, for the people listening, I know it's only up for rental. There's no streaming site for it, so Tyler's going to have to rent it. Uh, but it's okay, because I know he's giving a movie I have to rent to, yep. and I think I will regret renting this movie. <laughs> but go on. Actually, I looked it up, and on Amazon Prime, uh, this movie is one dollar cheaper than Can You Ever Forgive Me? So yeah, well, Can You Ever Forgive Me is a much more recent movie, and it was like, it's good. Sorry, <laughs> like, okay, you know what? You've not even seen I, it. I, I will go yet. into your movie with an empty mind, an, an empty mind, <laughs> an open mind. I hope maybe an empty mind. You too. might we'll need see. an empty mind. Uh, <laughs> I will go into your movie with an open mind, but I think it's safe to say, Can You Ever Forgive Me is more critically acclaimed than what you're uh, going to Yes, me. yes, definitely. Uh, Danny, for your film next week, I give you the live-action Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers. Ah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's great that I'm giving you a movie with an actor that you hate that I think you'll like, and you're like, well, I don't think Danny... I, I mean, Danny's never told me his opinion on Mike Myers, but I'm going to make him hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you'll be surprised at the bops in this film. Like, okay, it's very musical, very over the top, and I think you'll find an appreciation for it. Um, I just want to have it on the record that we literally at work this week, the cat live action cat in the hat movie came up, and several of my coworkers said it made them stop liking Doctor Seuss for three or four years. So good, good on you for picking a topical movie for me to start hating Doctor Seuss. Right? On. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah no no i i watched this i actually saw this when it came out in theaters um i was like <laughs> i was fourth or fifth grade i don't remember but uh but yeah i saw it saw it then and it's 
it you can appreciate it a lot more now than I mean kids would appreciate it, but you can appreciate the innuendos a lot more uh, this time. Oh around. yeah, that's what I want out of Doctor Seuss. Mike the innuendos. It's Mike Myers. So you you just yeah. All right. So we will uh, we'll see you next week. Um, yeah, if you, listeners, you want to watch this stuff. Yeah, go ahead. I highly recommend at least one of them. Tyler, do you highly recommend yours? <laughs> I recommend mine if you have $30 and you're like, do I want to spend this on Raya and the Magic Dragon? Or <laughs> I wish it was Raya and the Magic Dragon. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Raya. It's okay. It's okay. Just go on. <laughs> and, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, uh, if you want to spend $2, no, $3 on Dr. Seuss's Cat in the Hat, and then spend the other $27 of your 30, $30 on, on snacks. <laughs> on like a pizza or whatever, you know. Well, I, I, you know what? $27 definitely leaves room in the budget for booze. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that is a good idea. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, all right. So now we're going to get to the uh, center of our podcast. Uh, spoiler alert, from this point on, we will be discussing the final episode of WandaVision and possible spoilers for future productions. Uh, we do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. And this is the part where I, I say we're not going to talk about leaks, but there are no leaks to talk about because <laughs> we finished the show. Yay, right? <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about the WandaVision series finale, which was conveniently titled The Series Finale. Um, first, I liked we did this last week. We just kind of put our general thoughts on the table mm-hmm. first. Because I feel like one thing we constantly do on this podcast that must be annoying to you guys, the listeners, is I go like, Ugh, this really bothered me, but we'll talk about it later when we get to this point. I think it's better for us to lay it on the table. And then we can refer back. Mm-hmm. So, Tyler, you give your thoughts first. I, and I'll give my thoughts. The first time I watched this um, on the day that it came out. And uh, don't worry, I didn't stay up until, like, midnight release. Um, I actually heard they released this, like, ten minutes early. Oh. So, when people tried to watch it at the time, it was supposed to Disney Plus was already down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, no, my general thoughts on the finale... I was I was really confused um not because of the plot but I was really confused on how I felt about it after the first time that I watched it then I watched it a second time um Friday night and I realized that I was disappointed um in in various aspects of the of the show it did not it wasn't a major flop it's it wasn't um it's definitely not on the bottom of like if i would rank mcu properties you know it's not on the bottom of that list what it's no thor two right (laughs) but uh so this is not the worst thing darcy has been it's, it's definitely not the worst mcu property but i think the issue was that there were things that it could have done that it didn't do. Um, so, and we'll get into that obviously uh, later on in the, in the podcast. Uh, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? 
Well, I'll go off what you kind of said. Is uh, you said you were? I think. Okay, first, I think I agree with you in a way that this show did not turn out as good as I wanted it to be. But I also think its flaws are way more interesting to discuss than most bad MCU movies or most average MCU movies because there's clearly a lot of great stuff here. Uh, whereas a lot of those other things are just like like Thor two. I'm like, I guess Tom Hiddleston's good in it. That's the best thing I could say about it. This had like really great moments in it and really good ideas in it. It's just some of the ideas weren't fleshed out right, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, my general thought on the finale is I think it's getting a bit overhated. Uh, it's pretty much exactly what we ex- like what you should expect from mm-hmm. this. We just kept assuming that this show was going to be bigger in terms of lore, but it's not, and that's okay. Uh, but there are a lot of issues in the finale with me. My my big take on it is everything that was wrong about the finale was something that I could see coming a couple episodes yeah, ago. Yeah. This would easily be a way this could derail, and it did derail in a way I kept assuming it could. And I think ultimately WandaVision as a show was a, a show that only cared about Wanda or Vision, and that is the biggest problem I could say with it, is that we have, I think it let down every single side, this finale let down everyone except for Wanda and Vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, and I guess the kids were all right too. The kids, the kids get off scot free. And I think, I think that part of this why why I was so confused is uh, at first on how I felt about about the finale is that especially right now we are in such a culture of we either love or hate something. Yes, and. And it's like I after watching the first one, I was like, okay, I didn't love it, but also I didn't hate it. Like we got a close to to the main story. We got a close to the folk, like the main focus of the story. Um, the show was called Wanda Vision, um, so we got a close to that. And um, but also I, so I don't hate it, but also I don't love it. Um, it's not, yeah. you know... You know, I get what you're saying. It's kind of like what I was saying with Raya, uh, is that, like, it's very tempting for me to be like, I hated this because I'm harping on its negatives, but it's really more like, it was okay. Uh, I think WandaVision is better than just okay. Uh, I'm curious to see how we'll all play in one sitting, because I want to do that actually right after we record. It's, I want to sit down and just see how it plays mm-hmm. as one long movie. I think that's also an issue with the, the finale plays, like, in this, I'm actually cribbing this from somebody. I am... Um, Alan Sepinwall, who's a really famous... Not really famous, but he's Rolling Stones TV critic. I didn't read his finale review, but I saw the headline. I was like, yeah, that kind of checks out. Is that WandaVision's finale takes it from being a TV show that's proud of being a TV show to being a six-hour long... Even though it wasn't exactly six-hour long, but like a movie-ass TV. And the thing is, is like it's kind of disappointing... But it's also, like, I don't know why I really expected it to be anything else. That's kind of the whole thing. Is like, yeah. you know, we kept talking about how this show is like, oh, it's dealing with so much stuff. And it's going to be great. But really, it delivered exactly what I expected of it uh, initially. And it did it really well. It's just that I was hoping it'd be more. Uh, and I also want to clarify one thing before we move on. Is my disappointment really has nothing to do with the theories. My theories are not coming true. It has more to do with how characters were written. Yeah. Uh, and how the story ultimately played out in a way that, in my opinion, did a disservice to most of the characters that were introduced here. Um, 
And moreover, I think it did a disservice in doing this. It also... Okay, to be blunt, I did say Wanda and Vision. We got their ending that I wanted out of it. it. They were treated right by the finale. But I think that if you strengthen the cast around them, you strengthen them. And the show. Uh, yeah, you strengthen the whole yeah. show and you strengthen their arcs. If we can understand, for example, if we can understand more where Monica's coming from or even where Agatha is coming from. Or where we have this mentioned here, we have Hayward. We're going to talk about Hayward very soon. We can, if we, if these people all felt like actual characters instead of what they ultimately feel like, which is chess pieces mm-hmm. for Wanda and Vision's development, it, uh, it would be better. It would just be a better show, and I would feel way more excited about both the future of Wanda and Vision in the MCU. Because spoiler alert, we definitely have a future of Vision uh, coming up, which to me is one of the exciting cliffhangers of the show, but it also comes back to one of those things where I was saying we're at the very beginning of this podcast, which I think a lot of the MCU is based on you wanting what's next. It's never about being happy with where we are now, Yeah, which is why the moments of this finale I really liked were the moments where it slowed down and didn't tease stuff Mm -hmm. or resolve stuff in such a, I I don't want to say toothless because that's a bit harsh, but in such a way that's like, we're we're pausing this for now, and that thing I'm referring to there, and we'll get into it more later, is Agatha's ultimate fate is a pause. It's not a conclusion for now. It is not. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like we're gonna literally freeze you here until we need you again in the story. Yep, and yep. that's what I felt like happened with a lot. I feel like that's happened. That's what happened with Jimmy Woo. Uh, I feel like in a way it even happens with Monica. Uh, I think it happens with everyone in this show, honestly, besides Wanda. It happens with Vision, too. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is kind of disappointing, too. But, yeah. Uh, now we can talk about the actual episode, unless you have more you want to say generally. No. No. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm sure we'll obviously talk more. We'll obviously get into it more, because we're going to talk about it. Um, so, first things first. Gray Vision beat Normal Vision to Wanda's place. <laughs> Which I think was the ultimate, the ultimate, oh, of course, after our big discussion mm-hmm. last week about it, is that the normal vision somehow took so long to fly back. Oh my god. And I think Marvel's very careful not to make vision overpowered. Because uh, he could very easily be incredibly overpowered. Yeah, yeah. To the point where I'd say there's a lot of points in, in the MCU where vision is very purposely weakened. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is fine, but it's like. Yeah, uh, my thing with the, the the gray vision is just it's it's like why like why does he need to show up for it, it kind of okay kind of jumps ahead a bit here. Uh, gray vision beating normal vision to Wanda's place makes it so we never actually get a reconciliation between Wanda and Vision, which to me is one of the most disappointing parts of the finale, uh, because um, it literally like it's just you know. Vision, want. I, I hate that we have to talk about two different characters being Vision now. Cause it's so like, uh, how do I refer to it? Because right. I could be like Wanda's Vision, but then it just sounds like I'm saying the name of the show. <laughs> so yeah, just assume that if I'm talking about Vision, I'm talking about Wanda's Vision. If I'm talking about the other one, it's Gray Vision to me, or White Vision, whatever we end up naming him. But anyway, so we never got a reconciliation between Wanda and Vision, whereas the end of episode five clearly like breaks them apart in a way the vision i want to see them come together again in a way that wasn't about action 
if there was a way they could have written this ending so that way Wanda took care of Agatha before Vision to like the brief part, you know, where like where she like froze Agatha into her house and like then they talk briefly about fighting. Mm-hmm. If there's a way they could have done that and had normal Vision show up and have a conversation and then Grey Vision show up to mess things up. I would have liked that so much more. Because to me, it's like visions of me like, I forgive you, Wanda. And I'm like, why? Like, she still lied yeah. to you. Like, and I get that we need to have him forgive. And I think she sh- he should for Like, that's the... I have a lot of issues on how this finale deals with the idea of forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> but I think Wanda's... What, I'm saying Wanda's vision this time. But I do think it's important. Because if Wanda's vision forgives herself, then Wanda is somewhat forgiving herself and i think there's an important aspect of accountability where it's okay to forgive yourself as long as you're still realizing what you did was wrong and i think this finale really whiffs on that point uh and if it, that's probably that's another very disappointing yeah. part of it that i'll get into more later uh and i think there was an opportunity to deal with that before the big action climax because the way this episode begins is it's just like nonstop action for the first 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, all right, this might work on a binge, but right now this is not really a way to begin your finale. Yeah, this this episode acted like we were supposed to... And it felt like we cut right in the middle of, of, uh, of the 45 minutes that we are used to getting at the end of uh, the MCU films. That's the action. Yeah. You know, it felt like we just started right at the beginning of that it's like watching um the avengers but only watching the battle of new york and, and i just think it's yeah. you know you don't get the you don't get the character appreciation or fulfillment there because we we don't get to see the characters before which i mean i know this is this is a television show and you know we had eight episodes before this one to but we, to get all that but, but like you were saying we didn't really get this resolution between vision and wanda you yes know? and like to me it's like it's so like no i don't want to be like it's so easy to fix this because i'm not like a writer i mean i am but i i don't write for this show um and i think a lot of bad criticism comes from here's how you should have done it yeah but i'm still gonna do it right now is that like to me this was easy fixable because Something with television is is that obviously there are multiple plot lines you can pop bop around. This episode could have easily begun with Vision flying in the sky, seeing Agatha hold her kids and just cheap shotting her, mm-hmm. and it would have been fine. Because I know people are like, "Oh, well, Wanda was just saved by Vision. That's problematic." I'm like, eh, not really, because Wanda still solves everything later on. It's just a cheap shot that allows you to get that well, reconciliation and also, quick. Vision says. I'm way back in Age of Ultron, which I know this isn't the same vision. He says that he's on the side of life. So him knocking out Agatha would have made the most sense because she was, uh, had the leashes around the kids and was obviously threatening, you know, life. Exactly. Like, so it would have worked. And like, we could still have everything on in the episode afterwards. It just like, and I get that, like, both Wanda and Vision have missed out on having really badass moments in the MCU because they're not usually paid attention to. But I think in this case, it would have made more sense just to deal with Agatha really quickly at the beginning. And then, of course, actually have all of her stuff later on. Yeah. And then we could have had that reconciliation. And then the Grey Vision could have shown up. 
and then you know and what it, I mean. It and it then only all complicates this... the conflict. You know, yeah. with Grey Vision coming in, um, very similar to when Sword showed up. Um, yeah, in the town center. Uh, yeah, so, we can move on. To, we can move on to that if so, you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, heads up to people listening. This isn't necessarily going to be like a chronological dissection of the finale. It's I, like you know we're kind of jumping around, which yeah. is okay, I think. Uh, uh, so Hayward, uh, speaking of sword, uh, Hayward, all character development, the little that we got from the last episode is just flushed away in the finale, um, which brings me to a point we didn't need a second antagonist you know we had agatha and we didn't and gray vision technically but we didn't necessarily need this hayward guy and you know what were you gonna say oh well i think i don't want to say i i feel like saying throw away hayward isn't necessarily the answer no and that's not i think he just needs to be yeah i think he needs to be severely more nuanced he needs more nuanced right yeah yeah uh, but you could say that about all these sword characters, really. <laughs> well, this character could have been could have been so much more. Uh, this series would have been a good way to examine the anti superhero argument, which to this point we've really only got from Zemo in Civil War. Um, and this show could have examined heavy topics like prejudice, which is something very relevant today, and the human condition, but. To me, the show played it safe with this guy, and overall, that created a dull character. Uh, I would say this. Sh- well, I don't want to be like. I- I- it's something where like it's one of those things where I was saying earlier is like all the issues with this finale was stuff that I I saw coming, and with him, he was like since the beginning. Last week, I was surprised that he was written with some level of nuance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, well, who is this guy? Like especially since. You know, I wasn't a big fan of last week's episode. I was like, the writing on this episode is really whatever. And it was weird, because he was written well. I thought every everything else about that last episode was not written well. And I was like, what's going on with this show? Why Why is the really bad character the only person who's decently written this week? Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree to an extent. I think... Well, I don't think the show needs a second antagonist, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. No. Uh, I will say, well, I don't know. I have something else I could say that's related to that, but it has to do with your next point. Um, but I, I think it's just, I think it's more funny, like how over the top Hayward, at this point, Hayward was just funny in this finale to me of how bad he was. It's one of those things where it's like a train wreck of a character where I was like, what, whatever now you're trying to shoot kids. <laughs> like what? Like, yeah. why, why would you do that on any level? Like, I don't care if these kids are super powered and taking your guns away. Like, they're children. What are you doing? And, like, I, the other thing I want to point out is I think it's pretty funny that Josh Stamberg, the actor, actor that plays Hayward, who seems to be... I've looked at his IMDb page. He's a pretty a prol- prolific TV actor. Uh, it's very funny to me he never got, like, an actual credit in the finale as a series regular. Or even at all in the show. Because he is such a big part of the sword parts. Mm-hmm. But he's not... I guess it's because he's not famous in the case of Randall Parker or Kat Dennings. Uh, well, because I would never those aren't famous, famous, but like their names, like the people know who they yeah. are. And then Tiana Paris, who's clearly being set up as like a big part of the Marvel's future, her getting a credit makes sense too. But like, I don't get why. I, I get. 
I guess my conspiracy theory is he doesn't get one because his character is so poorly written they want you to forget he was in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Hayward sucks, but again, that's something to me where it's like, there's nothing new there. Yeah. He's, he sucked this entire right. run. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was more of an address on on the character in the whole in the yeah, whole yeah. in the whole series um i think that they missed missed out on missed, an opportunity there they missed the mark yeah uh hey danny you a fan of steven seagal <laughs> yeah the ralph reveal sucked and marvel studios wasted a heck of an opportunity with casting evan peters in this show <laughs> that was honestly my biggest tick with this series for someone with this level of acting skill you don't cast them as a throwaway character especially given how iconic he has become for his roles as quicksilver and in american horror story i i just think it's shameful shameful for disney to do that well you know where the shame comes from for me the shame comes from the fact that now now we have Oh, who does Evan Peters play in Marvel? Oh, he played the fake Quicksilver at WandaVision, whose name was Boner. Right. Oh, that was so funny. Oh, great. Oh, Evan Peters is a joke. Uh, and people who liked uh, people... It's just... It's unnecessary. Like, you know, if you wanted to do this twist where, like, oh, he's some rando who got Quicksilver's powers, you don't cast Evan Peters, you cast some rando. Yeah. Like... It's very deliberately a troll of the fan base in a way. And I know a, a lot of people have been like people who defend this are like it's kind of like the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Like no, it's not. Cuz the thing with it's the it gets me so mad. I I I I I try not to care that much about this stuff, but what we have here is what I've been saying ever since the possibility came up in the 6th episode of the show is that you cast Evan the whole reason Evan Peters is in the show it's to recodify his casting as Quicksilver as the fake one. Mm-hmm. That is why he's in this show. It is so people will watch Days of Future Past and be like, well, that's the fake Quicksilver from the Marvel stuff. It's ridiculous. It's rude. I think it's not even rude. It's just it's morally wrong from Disney as a standpoint to do this. And there are other things Disney does that are morally wrong. That's the big thing, too. It's like me being like, how dare they do this with this actor in WandaVision is ridiculous when, like, they just fired, they just closed an entire animation studio in the middle of a pandemic after they raised the the, the, the salaries of their execs. Like, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> Disney's a horrible per- company regardless. But to me, it's just like, this is just, like, part of the problem. And... It's impossible to ignore. That will forever be the biggest mark against WandaVision to me. Is that we have uh, the cliffhanger of episode 5 that got everyone excited that X-Men stuff was going to be integrated in the MCU. When we know it's going to be integrated anyway with Deadpool 3. like It's going to happen. But instead they just threw it away to make a dumb joke. Uh, And they didn't need to. They could have done this whole story with it still being Evan Peters from the multiverse. They could have done this whole story with it being a different actor. They could have done this whole story if it just being something uh, Agatha conjured with Aaron Taylor Johnson. They just did it with Evan Peters to say, basically, F you, X-Men fans. Yeah. It gets me so, so mad. Yeah. Uh, as an X-Men, not even, I'm not even a huge X-Men fan, too. It's like, I liked some of the movies, but... My last thing I'll say on it is is my mom doesn't have Disney Plus, uh, and I was going to when Evan Peters showed up. I was really excited that when it was over, I was going to be like, "All right, 
once this pandemic, once we're all vaccinated, mom, I'll come back and we'll binge it. Because I know she likes Evan Peters' X-Men, uh, role in X-Men. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I'll never ever watch this show because it is just, I don't want to be like, it's disrespectful to the character and the actor. Because it is, but that's not why it's an issue. The issue it is is that it just tells you that if you like the X-Men movies, you, you're, that's basically, it. it's like, you're dumb. Like, how dare you like those X-Men movies? They're not real Marvel. That's that's my takeaway yeah. from Evan Peters casting Yeah, in this. well, and it, it also <laughs> shines a light on... Um, before WandaVision was released on Disney+, Plus. Disney+, Plus brought the majority of the Fox X-Men films over to their platform. Because now... Yeah, pretty much all except for the R-rated ones yeah. and uh, Dark Phoenix and New Mutants because of... Licensing rights stuff. issues at yeah. the moment. So, yeah. so like in doing in doing that, I thought, and they called it Marvel Legacy. I was like, it's nice to to not necessarily say, "Well, these are all connected," because I don't think that we have we need to have every superhero film ever made be connected. Um, yeah, but, of course. But, yeah, know, I agree. But because uh, I think we need to appreciate them for what they were and or what they yeah, were I, slash are. And uh, so I think that's that was I was I thought that's really nice that they brought these X Men films in here, and people can start to get familiar with these characters before they're introduced into the MCU. Um, we can understand, get a general idea of uh, who Nightcrawler is. We can understand the feud between Magneto and Professor X. Um, we know who Wolverine is, obviously. Um, so. So I thought that was nice. But now that they cast Evan Peters as Quicksilver, and then he just turned out to be Ralph, um, who was a nobody, it it it's almost, it's just like, well, then what was the point of bringing, what, what was the point of bringing over these, you know, these films? I don't know. The, the, <laughs> the point is, is because they want to add value to their streaming service and have people be like, well, we have the bad Marvel movies too, even though they're not bad movies. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, you could do this whole story, have him be at the end revealed to be Peter Maximoff and have him go back to his home universe when the hex disappears. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, that's literally all you need to do. Like, it's fine. And here's the thing also is like, okay, so the Ralph reveal, right? So, let's talk a bit on the reveal, too, even though, like, it just gets a missed opportunity here is, okay, let's say you want to do this awful idea of, we're going to cast Evan Peters as a nobody who randomly Agatha gives speed abilities to after brainwashing him. Why doesn't he help in the action climax, then? Yeah. Like, why, why, why does he just disappear after that joke? We know he has speed powers. And clearly they, they have some relevance because what's-his-face has – what's the kid with the power – I don't I, – I can ever remember which kid has which power. Sorry. Billy and Tommy. One of them has super speed. So clearly the power would still probably work in this universe. So why isn't he like, you brainwashed me, Agatha. I want to fight too. Even if you aren't – even if you aren't Peter Maximoff. Yeah. It's just like literally we're going to make a dumb joke out of them, Peter's. And then we're not even going to let him do something with Big a Dumb Joke. So it's like a double insult to me. <laughs> my my biggest hope is that this is a that this is a red herring for us in that he will like you like you said uh 
Maybe he was. It'll be a joke in Deadpool three. Maybe he was Peter Maximov, and he came, he came over somehow. I don't know how he. No, I'm. Move over. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna I be just, like, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I think the only way we're gonna get Evan Peters in the MCU again is if Deadpool three does a joke about, hey, weren't you that weirdo in like Wandavision? And he's like. Bro, no, I'm I'm Peter Maximoff. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would be literally the only way they could salvage this, and it would be very blunt. Like, no, that's just Evan Peters. Like, you know, like it's just a guy who looks like me, and it, they could do that. I'd be happy with it when Deadpool three comes out. But I'm not going to give them credit for it now for something I don't think they're going to do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just so uh, Ryan Reynolds. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> wink, wink. Bring, you know bring what back to do. Silver. <laughs> Bring back the real Quicksilver, because Aaron Taylor. That's the thing is like it's pretty funny. Because to me, I've always been like, no, they're both Quicksilver, they're both fine. But this is just maybe now go like, you know, no, Evan Peters is the one true Quicksilver. I don't care. Sorry, now now I hate Aaron Taylor Johnson. Good job, Disney. <laughs> you did that for me. <laughs> Good. All right, so out of spite, now I hate Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver. Now it's time for the segment of our show known as I Spy with My Little Eye, a beam of energy shooting into the sky. Uh, we get this when <laughs> Wanda first tries to dissolve the hex. I have to ask, because the MCU does this so much, of shooting beams of energy up into the sky to show the importance of this of an action. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 5, what did you rate it? <laughs> I think it's funny you mentioned this because uh, one of my websites I'm on, there's been, always been a meme about sky beams. Yeah. And here we had one. Um, I don't know what I'd rate it. I would say I give, on the scale of 1 to 5, I give the one in Man of Steel a 7. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, 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 that's the best sky beam. I'm sorry. It is. Sorry, Marvel. Next time hire Zack Snyder if you want some cool sky beams. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much to say yeah, about no, this guy. But anyway, so um, that <laughs> I thought there was a nice parallel with the Incredibles as the family prepares to fight Sword in the town center. Yeah, I really like that too. Mm -hmm. um, I will say on that front is that if we do get a Wandavision season two, which I do think is possible, I think it'd be a bit down the road. Yeah. Because I think the post credit scene implies that Doctor Strange 2 is about Wanda trying to find her kids in the multiverse. Which is fine. I think it's cool. I don't know how... I think that should be her story, not Doctor Strange's. But yeah. okay, sure, whatever. Um, but that to me would imply that after... It'd be what I said last week. is She rescues her kids and then WandaVision Season 2 is about her meeting Ray Vision. And getting that family dynamic back together. Uh, which I'd be down... I really actually like The Incredibles. I like... I think the, as I said, I think I've many mentions, no, I mentioned it's about something else. I mentioned it about how the Dash scene in The Incredibles is really mm -hmm. great. I think it's pretty weird how The Incredibles had, like, so much cultural impact on our generation, and yet none of these superhero movies have even tried to replicate yeah. it. Yeah. I think the idea of having young kids be superheroes is so fun. I think Shazam comes close, the DC movie Shazam, but even yeah. then it's like they become adults when they're being superheroes. I think the idea of these kids being superheroes is so fun. And I wish we had more of it. And actually, uh, related to kids, before we move on, can we talk about something we don't have in the notes? Yeah. Uh, I just remember there was one scene in this episode I really liked uh, that we don't have mentioned. And it's the scene where Agatha releases the townspeople from Wanda's spell. Mm -hmm. 
I really like that scene. And I, I bring it up because I mentioned her, the Dottie's being like, I haven't seen my kid in so long. Can you please just let her out and give her a storyline? And I'm like, man, this is so messed up. She's begging for her kid to be brainwashed just so she could see her more. Right. That's amazing. Like, wow. <laughs> like, and I, 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 I like that aspect of the finale a ton. Uh, I liked, I liked the, that's the thing. I liked the finale, the part of the finale that actually felt like it was about the finale. Like, uh, like it pulled stuff together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas as much as I like the white vision stuff, I don't really think, okay. I, I think it is relevant, but, uh, it, it was all seated last episode is my point. Uh, whereas this stuff has been brewing for a while, and I wasn't actually expecting much time with the townspeople in this episode. So the fact that we got it then, and I felt like it was handled well then compared to the end of the episode, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but I thought that sequence mm-hmm. was really well handled, uh, and I really liked it. Although I thought <laughs> I thought it was kind of ridiculous for them to be like, right. how dare you do this one? And they like start crowding in on her. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do to her? <laughs> like, like, do you guys think you can stop her from what you've seen her do? <laughs> but I don't know. That was a good scene. Uh, and I liked it. Right. And I brought it up because it reminded me what you said about the kids in Incredibles. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think we can all we can all safely say that we were all trolled by Paul Bettany. I appreciate him. I appreciate being trolled. Yeah. I a lot of people were mad about that, but I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm okay with it. Uh I think the fact that he decided to go off and make everyone be like, "Ooh, wonder who the person is." And they coupled it with um everyone coupled it with the quote. And I I'm doing an air quote right now, guys. Now Liv's Olfen said there was something on the level of Luke Skywalker and Mandalorian in this. What if you actually read that article? What someone said, they asked her, is there something on, the, like, the question was, is there something, like, on the level of Luke Skywalker and Mandalorian? And her response was, I think there'll be a lot of things fans will be surprised by in the show. That doesn't, she doesn't commit to that's there being something general. on that level. Yeah. So that's, that's not, and if there was, like, I would say that in theory, it was the Evan Peters appearance, even though the ending obviously completely took the sales out of that. Uh, but it was a big deal when it happened. Uh, and I'd even say even Grey Vision kind of counts for that too, because for comic fans, I think Grey Vision popping up was a big pull uh, that mm-hmm. people weren't expecting. And I I liked Paul Bettany. I like Paul Bettany trolling it, and I think going along with Paul Bettany's troll, I think we should talk briefly about. And I mentioned this in my full up on thing with the episode is like I'm not disappointed by this show because it didn't satisfy my theories, and I think it's a shame that Matt Shackman, the guy who directed all these episodes kind of went like on an apology tour beforehand for this because he was mm-hmm. like I think a lot of people might be disappointed by this because I it's not going to satisfy all the theories but we we're always talking about Wanda and grief and loss and I'm critiquing this finale in the sense that I think it doesn't necessarily do that well but I don't want to critique it because say with the exception of my thing about Evan Peters but that's more due to I don't get the casting on it because uh, if you want to do that, as I said before, if you want to do that storyline, you could cast somebody new. And I would have been okay with it. Uh, but anyway, we were always telling this... I, I My issue is more with the execution of the stuff. Like, no offense, Tyler. Like, are you really angry at this show because we didn't get Mephisto? I don't, like... 
Yeah, no, yeah, like, no. yeah. That's that's no, the thing. It, is I, I want you to have that it on the record too. I don't want people to be listening to yeah. this and be like, Tyler just doesn't like it because he, he didn't get Mephisto. <laughs> no, it's it's the characters who were on screen were not properly uh, developed. Yeah, that's that's my thing. Yeah, um, my biggest biggest peeve with it. Um, so like the and I'm not mad that Paul Bettany trolled all of us i think it's funny because of how many theories came came out we of dedicated this. Do like I 20 minutes been... of this show like breaking down possibilities right so it, do i think that it would have been cool to have you know some of these theories come you know come in or come true yeah, yeah i think that would have been cool but also i'm okay with you know with with what we got because it's not like we were promised like it's not like they said before this show came out that you are going to get Mephisto. We are finally going to see Mephisto. People just assumed you know, just started guessing because of the Loki exactly. trailer. Because that's really yeah. it. It was the Loki trailer. Um, mm-hmm. And on a lesser, less extreme thing, like, did I want to see Baron Mordo? Maybe, but I'm okay with Al Swagath being her own independent actor in this. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's and fine. I think, I think that's that's really good to that uh that we like that agatha didn't ha didn't necessarily need another person that already existed to bring bring her into the yeah like to the fold uh, you know i think the finale does do agatha dirty a little bit but yeah. for the most part Catherine hahn does a good job of it and her ending very blatantly implies that we haven't seen the last of her, so I'm okay with it as long as they develop her more in the future. Like, for mm-hmm. example, if we do get a WandaVision Season 2, they better bring back Catherine Hahn one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, hopefully as Agatha, not as Agnes. Um, but yeah. Uh, we can move on, though. Uh, uh, so, speaking of Paul Bettany... The Vision versus Grey Vision was the most Vision-esque battle of the minds moment we all deserved. Uh, it was actually refreshing that their conflict was resolved with discussion rather than just punching and flying for 45 minutes. I will say, I actually didn't mind though the punching and flying. A lot of people were like, Ugh, yeah. how dare we get this MCU action? I thought the Vision action was... much. Well, it was much better than the Agatha versus Wanda action. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really really good and uh, remind me of man I of steel it was really really good yes i thought it was really good of what they did i'm not not discounting that i love the moment was... when like he phased into the other one yeah and i was like yeah. "Ooh, that's cool like that like it's very creative and as i said it reminded me of man of steel and hot take on man of steel is if you have it i actually think man of steel is good uh, uh, mm-hmm. it's after Man of Steel that the DC movies kind of go off the rails but Man of Steel was a good start that had a good foundation they could have built off of and then they didn't uh, and I think the action in Man of Steel particularly the Smallville fight is great so this reminded me of the Smallville fight is a compliment like that is like by far like one of the biggest comments I can give a superhero action scene is it reminds me of the Smallville fight in Man of Steel I actually yeah. wouldn't have minded a bit more uh, not a lot more. We it was starting to mm-hmm. the stranded bit, but I wouldn't have mind a bit more like flying around action and chasing each other, like weaving and dodging. I think stuff like that is really yeah. cool. Yeah, and that and that's something that we've not necessarily got. A, it, well, okay, we've we've got quite a bit of vision flying around and doing 
Vision is great in Age of Ultron. But his action in Age of Ultron is incredible. Yeah. But uh we but it's a lot of it's more of the same. Yeah. And in this one it was much more varied. And also, he didn't forget to use his powers. Yes. Like well, like, Although, I gotta got say, I love that he was able to fly all around Westview show. fighting Grey Vision, but when it comes to, like, I gotta go meet my wife, it took him two episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Priorities, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna so tell you right I now, I ship, uh, I ship Vision times Grey Vision uh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> They're great pairing. And I, I like uh, that the... I like, I really did like the, the discussion, too. I didn't mention that. Uh, the discussion mm-hmm. was really great. Uh, I like the philosophical stuff. I think Vision... I think Vision is... He's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of one of those things where... To bring it up... Kind of get to a sad part for a second. And I'll get, bring back to the show. It kind of reminds me, in a way, of how bummed I am that we won't see more of T'Challa. Because I think Marvel is very lacking in serious characters in a lot of sense. Yeah. I think T'Challa yeah. was one... And I think Vision is another. Uh, and I like that Vision is willing to talk out his thoughts all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like that about T'Challa, too, which is why I'm... We, uh, I won't talk about Black Panther 2, but it's something where I really... It's still like, I don't know how you continue... He's the glue. He is the glue there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, that makes that cast yeah. work, because he is very serious. Um, but anyway, uh, I liked having Vision sit down with another Vision be like, hey, please don't kill me. It doesn't make any sense for you to kill me. And Vision's yeah. like, oh, okay. All right. Let's be philosophical about this. Uh, it, and it was also very fitting for that character, yeah. too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Grey Vision will do now. Because he just says, I'm Vision, and he flies away. Yeah, um, I was surprised he wasn't a post credit scene, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe he'll be the post credit scene in Doctor Strange, too. Uh, which would make sense, but I don't know. Here's my thing. Oh, here's the thing with Grey Vision is like I think it's interesting because I felt kind of like last week he might be used as like a cop out, so that way we still have Paul Bettany in the MCU. But mm-hmm. I don't mind how this story ended emotionally because I think it ends with Wanda believing that Vision, Grey Vision's gone. Like Vision killed him. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. left ambiguous to the point where I think Wanda's arc here still plays out the way it should I like Paul Bettany enough for him to still stick around uh, and I'm curious to see what they do with him next there's a lot of options they could use with Grey Vision uh, yeah. and I, I would actually hope he, he shows up in something again before he reunites with Wanda I would want to see yes. him on his own first mm-hmm. but yeah uh, but yeah <laughs> speaking of Wanda how did she have time to cast the runes on the inside of the hex and how did she have the knowledge to cast them because like when she learns about runes it's when she's in the basement with agatha and then when she like from there on she's constantly by agatha like so anyways i I, I don't know i literally don't have thoughts on this it's like i guess i guess you could say like it's on those things where you thought, like, it's a plot it hole, but I like I don't care. Like yeah. it, it happened. I, I this isn't me attacking you, Tyler. It's just to me, it's like yeah, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, it's kind of like last week, you know, where we were like, wait, why did, did Vision really buy like a place for them in New Jersey? That makes no sense. But I guess he did, and it's like okay, they're like, yeah, you're right, but 
Yeah, I, I, have I felt to like say it was more it. just whatever. convenient writing. I think is is what it was, but uh. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're probably but, right. It's just to me, it's like, yeah. yeah, I guess it's an issue with the writing, but there are bigger issues that I have here. So yeah, it's yeah. just like, okay, whatever, I'll accept it. I think this is more about execution than anything else. I, I, I revert back to my friend Filmquit Hulk, who again he writes about Wandavision. I haven't read his stuff on Wandavision yet, though. Uh, but I remember he wrote about Korra, Legend of Korra. Uh, and Legend of Korra, I'll, I'll give you a quick summary of his thoughts on it. Well, and my thoughts kind of parallel them even before I read it, is that season one and two of Korra are really bad, and then season three is suddenly really good. It's very weird. Like it's I haven't got to season four yet, but season three is very good. And season one is 12 episodes. Season two, which is the worst of the two, is 14 episodes. And season three is 13 episodes. It's all about execution. They all have the same amount of characters in them. Uh, so it really has nothing to do... Like, time won't fix these things. My question yeah. to you is more like, Darcy's story needs a conclusion. My response to you is, does the story of WandaVision need Darcy? No, it doesn't. We could cut her. Right. You could replace her with a right. nobody. Same with Jimmy Woo. I like Randall Park and Kat Dennings being in this, but did we need them? No. Mm-hmm. We could cut them from the story entirely, keep half-hour-long episodes, and get a better yeah. story out of it. It has nothing to do with that. Like, do I feel like these actors were misserved? Sure. Do I think they were mis? They, I, I, they were misserved in a way they wasted their time with the show, other than them getting exposure and money for it. I don't necessarily think artistically I can say that we needed Jimmy Woo and Darcy in the story. And Monica for that point, which we can move on to for your next point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's no, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, Monica's grief needed to be more exposed uh, for Marvel to bring in a new superhero, which who has ties to Sword, the Scrolls, Captain Marvel, and now Wanda. They sure did not build that character appropriately for future films i'm i'm really glad we got dialogue between wanda and monica beyond the initial nod from wanda after agatha's defeat uh not that the dialogue was great uh, but i would say the dialogue yeah. not being great is an understatement <laughs> <laughs> uh they did monica incredibly dirty uh i assume the entire time we've had monica in this show that she was in it for a reason if this was always the plan of what she was going to be, they shouldn't have put her in this show. They should have found a way to tell the story without Monica. Because it is such mm-hmm. a disservice to her as a character. It's a disservice to Tiana Paris that she was given these lines on set after being told she was going to be a big new Marvel superhero. And we we expected a payoff that never happened. I remember saying in episode 5 that this could have an emotionally powerful ending with Wanda Monica talking Wanda down. As Monica is... I don't want to say she's the deuteragonist because that is vision in the show. But Monica should be the third most important person in the show. She anchors the entire sword subplot, which sucks with the exception of her. But yet, she never develops. She never... We never get the payoff. She doesn't do anything in the finale besides save Wanda's kids. Mm -hmm. uh, And reveal Ralph. And the thing is, they can never redo her origin story ever. It will always be tied to this show. And it's just so. Let's say my uh, let's say okay. Going back to my parents, right? 
But I like using my because my parent, my mom in particular, I think likes Marvel movies a lot. My dad's a bit more mixed on them. I remember my dad actually. My dad, I actually want to share my dad's opinion on Spider-Man: Far From Home. I remember we left the theater and I didn't like it either. But my dad's response was like, "I think I'm just done with these movies after this. I'm never gonna watch another one of these again, other than Black Panther 2. He was he hated it so much. But then, the funny thing about that is, like the next day, my my brother showed him Ant-Man: and The Wasp, Wasp on Netflix, and he was like, "Oh, that was pretty good actually. I liked Michael Douglas." And Michelle Pfeiffer being in it. So, uh, I guess my dad isn't over with MCU yet. Uh, but anyway, I, that my point is, my dad actually liked... And we watched during the quarantine when I went home. We watched, I watched Captain Marvel with them. And my parents both liked it way more than I did. And I think to the point where they'll go see Captain Marvel too. Yeah. But now it's like, they'll see Monica and they'll be like, Ooh, I want to see her origin story. And it's like, okay, it's in WandaVision. But like, if you liked her... Like, if she's great in Captain Marvel, that's not going to change that she's terrible in this show. Like, you know, they're never going to be able to redo mm-hmm. her origin story. And if people want to go back and refer to it, they're going to have to watch a show where she has no agency for herself other than, I must defend this woman who I barely know because she's sad, too. When, okay, this is another thing, too, is, like, okay, so Monica's character and Wanda's character are framed around grief. This takes place three years after Endgame. Not three years, sorry, three weeks after Endgame, where everyone in the world should be dealing with their grief returning. Yeah. Even if you get your loved ones back, that doesn't change the fact you death dealt with five years of trauma without them. Mm-hmm. If you suddenly get back your loved ones, like, that's its own thing. That's its own story that should be explored. Because you've mourned them, you've gotten over them, and now they're back. You're never going to treat them the same way. Like, for example, like, when Wanda eventually gets her children back, because we know it's going to happen... She's, she lost them once. She's not going to lose them again, and that affects people's psychology in so many ways that Marvel will never address. And to me, it's just so insulting for Monica to be like, they'll never understand the sac. Oh, that line is so bad. They'll never understand the sacrifice you had to make. I'm like, do they? Because I'm sure Wesley was affected by Thanos three weeks ago. So now they got people yeah. back. They've been doing like, okay, so Dottie, right? Like Dottie, we hear that. Sure. What if her daughter was snapped away by Thanos and she just got her back? And then immediately this person came into her town and brainwashed everyone. And Monica mm-hmm. is trying to give the, like Wanda the write-off. And like again, I don't think I, I think Disney is afraid of their characters being morally ambiguous. Cause I think it is I think it is totally fine to have the ending be Wanda gets gets off scot-free in air quotes. And by that I mean she doesn't get she like doesn't get thrown into jail. And that's why I was expecting yeah. like Doctor Strange to show up. Because, like, if Doctor Strange showed up, it was, like, Wanda, like, everyone's trying to take Wanda to jail. Wanda's willing to turn herself in. Doctor Strange shows up and is like, don't worry, I'll train her. You know what I mean? Like, that's different. That That's, like, Loki at the end of uh, Avengers 1. Is like, alright, yeah, sure, we'll let Doctor Strange take you because, Doc, like, you know what I mean? It makes more mm-hmm. sense for us to habilitate Wanda into controlling her powers than to let her be in jail and possibly fester them unconsciously. That would work yeah. as an ending more. I get why they didn't do it because there's an aspect of that's kind of problematic where it's like we have this strong female character who needs to be taught by a man how to control her powers. And I think the post credit scene kind of like goes gets around that. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. The issue is is bringing it back to Monica is that she had a really like her first 5 minutes in episode 4 are fantastic. 
And then after that, the show just constantly lets her down, even though Tiana Paris is doing her best to perform. And her origin itself is really good, but it's just poorly motivated, as I said before. It's really, it really just, it's... She goes in because she believes Wanda is sad. That's it. And she doesn't even talk her down ever. She's just there to be like, Wanda, don't feel bad about this. And it's like, I can't remember, the, it's like Wanda's like, they'll never know what much you sacrifice. And Wanda's like, that they don't, they don't have to understand or something like that. I'm like, or, or they'll yeah. never try. And it's like, they shouldn't try. You, you did do this. It's not, you shouldn't be left off the hook for this. Mm-hmm. We can still like you and sympathize with what you did. But what you did is still morally awful. Right. Even if it wasn't We can an understand what you did, but that doesn't make what you did, like, good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you're not, you don't, like, you should feel bad for what you did. And that's, sh- that should be the motivator for you trying to train yourself into knowing your powers more. So you don't do something like that again. Instead, mm-hmm. it's get rid of, it's like, it's whatever. And the thing is, is like, we get our hero character of Monica going like, yeah, Wanda, you go, girl. No! Like, especially when, like, that is what Wanda does, Monica does in this finale. It's garbage. And it's an yeah. insult. Uh, and I hope Monica is treated well in Captain Marvel, too. I fear that she isn't, because it's ultimately going to be Brie Larson's movie, which it should be, because it's Captain Marvel, too. It's not Photon right. the movie. Um, and I think there is something to say, and I, I'll say it briefly, because uh, as a white guy... Uh, I'm not the authority here, and I'm sure there'll be better think pieces about this out there. But she is Marvel's first, I believe, African American Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first African American superhero, superheroine. Uh, because our other option, like for women, the only ever black hero in Marvel I can think of is, uh, besides, of course, all the Black Panther thing, where supporting T'Challa is Valkyrie. But Valkyrie is obviously not african-american she's from space uh, and like the fact that we have this character and she was treated in just a way that is to this like excuse other characters actions and her own power is just to protect other characters in this that's something they can never redo uh and it's something where to me i'm like why didn't you just give monica her own show where she gets mm-hmm. her origin and deals with a villain that would be a better way for me to get excited for her role in Captain Marvel 2. Now I'm just excited because I think Tiana Paris deserves better. And I know she'll get better because the director of Captain Marvel 2 has worked with Tiana Paris before. So <laughs> I know she won't do her dirty. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's my my opinion on Monica here. Is What a shame, ultimately, because I was so excited. Well, it's like I was excited for her to be in the show and I thought the show was doing good stuff with her. And ultimately mm-hmm. they had no plan for her. Well, the first scene that she was in, that opening scene in the uh, hospital, oh, so good. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And then this is how it how it ends. But uh, uh, speaking of characters getting their own shows, <laughs> I have a proposition for you, Danny. Agatha is staying around for a Disney <laughs> Plus exclusive. Agatha all along. It's just a sitcom of nosy neighbor Agatha in Westview. Wouldn't it be a, Wouldn't it be titled Agnes all along, Tyler? Uh, <laughs> I this kind of actually goes back to what I was just ranting about that exchange between Monica and Wanda. It's like this is a really messed up ending. Like Agatha is begging for mercy, 
And mm-hmm. Wanda can do like something like Wanda can make like a magical jail for her or something like that. But she does it. She just goes, Well, I just I just completely messed with the minds of everyone in this town, so I guess I'll do that to Agatha too. It I'm sorry, it's messed up and like okay. Yeah, I hate to be like like Agatha Agatha is like she's a villain. She's horrible. I don't think we should encourage our villains, our heroes, though, like being as bad as the villains. You know, that's yeah, the point. Is yeah. like they aspire well, what... to be better. And what mm-hmm. Wanda does to Agatha is something that Agatha outright says several times she would never do. Like she's like, I didn't brainwash these people. You did, and it's true. Yeah. Like Wanda did. Like, and Wanda's like, well, you want to see what it's like? All right, I'll do it to you. And it's like, okay, like this is really messed up. Uh. And I feel like I feel like people should call her out on it because it's like, and it's not just like it's not like me defending her because it's Catherine on. It's just like imagine if like they did. Imagine like for example, my go-to example because it's a good Marvel villain is imagine if they did this with Killmonger. <laughs> like what? Like just brainwashed yeah. him into being good. Like it's messed up. It's <laughs> these people have autonomy. Uh, yeah, please. Please note, uh, Kevin Feige, uh, that for Black Panther two, please don't brainwash Killmonger. <laughs> please don't bring so. Killmonger back. That's actually that's a side note. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people want Michael well, that, B. Jordan that, back for Black Panther two, and I'm like, no, please no. Well, that go- that goes hand in hand with our conversation last week about like Mar the MCU deaths need consequences. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I I thought that Wanda's "What am I?" speech was a good cap to the series and a good response to Vision's line last week: "Grief is love persevering." Yeah, this was the best part of this week by far. Uh, I was glad the finale had time to simmer down and give us this scene because it was the mm-hmm. it wasn't the reconciliation we wanted because it was more of an acceptance. Yeah, uh, but we needed this scene was this scene was what the whole show was building to. Uh, and I think, I think ultimately I gotta say, cause this, this, I think this recap is skewing more negative than positive, even though I did all, I think what I liked about this episode is more superficial stuff is the thing. It's like, I like the action. I like the action beats with the kids. I like the vision sequence, the vision versus vision sequence. Mm-hmm. I like what Wanda does even with Catherine Hahn, even if I think Catherine Hahn is being a bit underserved by the material. Um, but this is the best part of the episode, and this to me is what proves that WandaVision ultimately wasn't a wash. Because I go back to Infinity War, and I've I think I've said on this podcast before, and if I haven't, Infinity War to me is not a great movie. It's a good movie, but the reason it's not a great movie is because it asks you to invest so much into Wanda and Vision's relationship. So much on the stakes relies on you caring on them, about them. And I think it'll be interesting whenever I revisit Infinity War because now I realize that the, this scene that I do care about them now, and this show has done that. Uh, and I think it's that that is the show's strongest asset is it got me to care about something that to me tanked Infinity War. Like Infinity War does not work because of Wanda and Vision's relationship not being developed enough. Yeah. Um, and I I I, I didn't cry. But I did get teary-eyed. I was, like, on the verge of crying. And that, to me, I was like, you know what? They got me. And to me, it wasn't even... It wasn't just... What started getting to me was the kids. Um, Because kids saying... That's one thing to me that always gets me really emotional is... Have you seen... 
Did you ever get around to Jojo Rabbit? If you haven't, I won't spoil it. I haven't. I haven't All seen right. it yet. No. Um. Well, to talk about it vaguely, about saying there's a scene in Jojo Rabbit that always makes me cry, and everyone who I tell to talk about and tells me it makes me cry, they go like, "It's that scene." I think there's something really emotional uh, of adults telling kids things are going to be okay when the adult know it isn't. I think it's a very yeah. specific yeah. type of bravery that even talking about it... <laughs> like, right now I'm actually getting misty eyes thinking about the scene in Jojo Rabbit. But I think it's very hard... I think that is what the sign is of maturity, is the moment where you know that you, you, it's okay to lie to... I don't want to say, like, it's okay to lie to somebody and say it will be okay when it isn't. But I think it's okay to take on the the burden of worry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you're talking about younger kids. I think it's okay to let children have childhood. Uh, and I that's what got me really emotional about this scene, was Vision and Wanda saying goodbye to their kids one last time. And then the next scene where like Vision was like, so what am I actually? And then he, I actually even got emotional with him saying that, like, I know, or I, I don't remember if it's him who says it or if it's Wanda who says it. I think it's him who's like, I'm sure this isn't our final goodbye. And yeah. we know it's not their final goodbye, but this one still hurts because we know it's going to be for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really strong thing. That and we know that and we know that truly deep down, we know and the characters know that the original, the original Vision and Wanda will never truly be together back again. together yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's like, I think a good comparison point to this, and I would say it's better here, but it's also, this is just a very personal thing, because I know other people had a big emotional reaction to this, is the end of Infinity War has never made me cry. It's not once made me feel emotional. Uh, The closest it does is when Rocket is seeing Groot go away, because that relationship is really built in, you know? Mm -hmm. Um... Because, you know, we knew they'd be coming back, right? There's no way they were... The thing, with, the thing with that scene in Infinity War is, like... Initially, might be like, oh, no, they actually are killing all these people. But then they kill Black Panther off, and you go, oh, no, they're not. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way. Like, yeah. Like, that's when you go, okay, so this is a temporary thing. Um, so there's no way to really buy into it. Uh, whereas here, it's like, yeah, we know Paul Bettany will stick around. But as you said, it's not going to be their same type of relationship. Even if they do get their kids back, and they do get Wanda, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's a great scene. For- uh, I wish I th- I think this kind of um, it kind of goes back to you've seen Ratatouille, right? Yeah, it kind of goes back to that scene sequence at the end of Ratatouille where the critics like it's really easy to talk about things that are bad, and it's hard to t- like when really critics should be talking about things that are good. And I wish we could talk about this more. But what it is is kind of what it is on the surface. I just think yeah. it's I think yeah. it's very good though. And I think it should be I wish it could be everyone's main takeaway from this finale. Is that mm-hmm. to kind of sum up WandaVision in general, is like I think in a way following the show was more fun than the show itself. But this scene made me realize that but even if I do ultimately feel like my enjoy from WandaVision came more from talking about it than it came from the show itself. I think what they did with Wanda and Vision was ultimately very good, even if it did have some missteps along the way. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, uh, food food for thought. <laughs> Why did? And now for something totally different. <laughs> Why didn't Wanda drive her car after dismantling the hex at her house? The car was very clearly <laughs> parked in the driveway after the house was gone, and we know from last week's episode that she can very clearly drive. All right, so so, so here's my theory. Wanda, after the scene revision, this car is going to come back in three movies. Well, no, no, from no, 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 no. I, I do. I have a. I have an ending for the car. Okay. Uh, okay. I think that. Uh, well, it will appear in Cars Four. No, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think that Wanda, after having the scene of vision, was like, you know, maybe I was a little too mean to Agnes, but then I was like, well, I'm not going to hurt her too much, but I'll give her my car. Because <laughs> the house is Agnes going to get around. She doesn't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my theory. I think Agnes is going to get the car. <laughs> also, where does Agnes live? I just thought of that. Where did where is she going She's to homeless. live? Because I mean, like the house that Wanda it, like Wanda left As I the said, house, Wanda it's not like anybody else moved. Wanda is such a piece of garbage <laughs> to do like, this to Ag- just like, Agnes. You know what? I can fly and leave the world i, I like that i'm like wanda how dare you do this to this person who tried to kill your children <laughs> like i mean like i get it but it's also like yeah. oh it's messed up it is so messed up yeah yeah uh so post credit scrolls i called it sort of um so we we get the get the reveal when monica walks in with a uh an officer of the law um, into the movie theater, and then it turns out that that officer is a scroll, and says that. Uh, th- then the scroll says that uh, a friend of your mother's wants to wants to meet you and talk. Um, I did like the foreshadowing of it being in the movie yeah. theater because if you think about it, uh, they're telling us that by next year, uh, the pandemic will be over. And we'll all be back in movie theaters, and it won't be available on Disney Plus. You have to see Captain Marvel two in a movie theater, and I I really like that. Uh, as someone who's very invested in the future movie theaters, I was glad mm-hmm. Marvel was willing to canonize that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I feel like this scene should have been included in the proper, uh, just just with the way that because we finally get a bit of a closing to monica to monica's story here even though i i think it should have been more fleshed we out, get a pause that's it we get, the only yeah, person we get who gets an ending really is wanda but even that is like we're gonna continue it in dr strange yeah. too that's the thing is no one in this finale really gets an ending other than the wanda and vision dynamic mm-hmm. uh it's all like pause for now pause for a little bit uh and I think this works more as a post credit scene. Because, to me, I'm okay with the final, like, ten minutes of it being solely focused on Wanda and Vision. We did yeah. all that. Like, imagine if we had that Wanda Vision scene, and then we see the house disappear, and then we cut to Monica, and then we see Wanda fly off. I don't think that works. Oh, no, no. Well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it, though, it before the Vision been... scene either. Cause... I, I would have put it... I would have put it... Uh... As the actual last scene of the show. Oh, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. Yeah. Now, for I think Wanda flying go. I think ending it on Wanda is the right way to go. Personally. Gotcha. Uh, and I don't. I. I think mean, it's kind of explains itself. It's it's Wanda vision. It shouldn't end on Wanda. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. And I guess it ultimately does with the, ex- the last post credit scene, but the show itself proper should end with Wanda. Uh, I did but, uh, like... I see your yeah. next point about this is you want to mention an Easter egg about the movie feeder, but I want to mention another Easter egg about the movie feeder before we do yours, which is more... Your Easter egg is more actually relevant. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the other things on the marquee is Oz of the Great and Powerful, which is directed by Sam Raimi, which is... Uh, Hey, Doctor Strange 2. Anyway, well, what do you want to say about the movie theater marquee? So on the on the movie theater marquee, uh, Tannhauser Gate is one of the films on uh, up there at the end of the episode. Tannhauser Gate's not an actual film. Um, I, I looked that up. Uh, it's actually an interdimensional connection between two black holes. Um, and it's interesting that the post credit scene that it that the post credit scene involves scrolls and references to space. And it's also interesting because so, we know multiverse of Magnus type of thing. Yes, interdimensional. Yeah. Uh, I think actually, I want to talk about that in another Easter egg that never got payoff, which was the Nexus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We never got a payoff to that. And the thing is with all the other stuff, you could say it's red herring. Cause that's not a red herring. That's something mm-hmm. that's very clearly going to come back. Uh, and I'm curious as to how, uh, but it's, I don't have anything to say about it. It's just like, huh, that's interesting kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I just, I just, I just noticed that one. Um, so Tannhauser Gate's not like in the Marvel comics, as, from what my research found. Um, the most that we would know, that you and I would know, like uh, re- relevant reference, is that it is mentioned in uh, Blade Runner. Uh, so. But it's like br- it's briefly mentioned, um, and you wouldn't know the context behind it unless you looked it up, like what I did for this. Wasn't that for this here? But I'm googling it. So, I guess I can't. I guess it isn't. I thought it was also something people referred to the Bifrost as as a Tannhauser Gate. Oh, uh, I can't in the four. Uh, yeah, I no, can't. they they call it a. Uh, in Einstein Rosenberg. Ah, no, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Bridge, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, and then in the other post-credit, Wanda's in the mountains somewhere. I like that this um, was a... I, wait, wait, before you get into it, I like yeah. this post-credit scene because it's a reference to the ending of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Where's Edward Norton? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where is... Where is Wanda now? Um, I like obviously she's off in the mountains somewhere. I wonder if she's not close to where uh, the first Nepal, where the first uh, sanctum is. That uh, what's his name? That Doctor Strange goes to in Doctor Strange one, um, because that is near the Himalayas and I'm wondering if she's not in the Himalayan mountain range um, there somewhere. Although I would need to look at the trees again to also determine like where she's at uh, regionally. Um, but anyways, uh, she's using the book of Darkhold to learn more um, similar to how Strange used the astral plane to read text while he slept. And I thought you know how you talked two episodes ago about how they could have explained the backstory to witches very similar to how uh, 
they explained the backstory to Doctor Strange's like magic. They could have made a reference to that. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. they did it really I mean, well I felt like here. At least we, we finally got like on. that acknowledgement that they exist in the same school of magic type of thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. These post credit scenes were whatever. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing I actually felt like I got from them was that the scroll th- one kind of implied to me that Nick Fury would be in Captain Marvel 2, which is interesting, because I assumed it was about Secret Invasion. But that to me means that probably Captain Marvel 2 leads into Secret Invasion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Monica might be in it too, which I'd be down for, maybe. Although, again, knowing that she'd be third build on another Disney Plus show makes me think that they'd once again do her dirty, so maybe not. Uh, just give her her own show. I'd be okay with that. I don't know. They were whatever yeah. post credit scenes. I was a little disappointed by them. Um, I know it's something where it's like, ah, I wanted a cameo and I didn't get it, uh, which is kind of whatever. But I don't know. It's I kind of hope that Doctor Strange two would open with Wanda and Vision already like working. No, sorry, Wanda and Doctor Strange already working together. So the fact that I now know that it's going to be something where they have to meet in the storyline is kind of like, mm-hmm. huh? Okay, whatever. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we don't have predictions. Uh, would you? Would you rewatch? Well, I answer the. I am going to rewatch. Is the thing. Yeah. I guess the question to me is, uh, for these rewatch questions, isn't really. I'm gonna treat these when we ever have these. Is would I sit down with my parents and be like, let's watch this for four hours? Because my parents yeah. are casual MCU fans. Right. I would have said yes if not for the Evan Peters reveal because I think that will get them just so like, what was the point of that? Uh, I think they'd like aspects of it, but I think it'd be too dark for them to like. Uh, but does, is that a negative thing towards the show? Uh, outside the Evan Peter is the dark. I mean, is the darkness. Uh, I think it's a good show. Ultimately, it's a very flawed show, but it ended up. I think for Wanda and Vision being what they are, it's yeah. I don't know. My answer is no, but that's not a knock against it. What about you? Yeah. Um. I think it would be more of uh it's not gonna be like a Thor Ragnarok where I can rewatch it um, Well it's too long for several that. times. It will yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh I I can't I don't I don't find myself if this was on a shelf of all of the MCU movies or just movies in general, I don't know how often I would go reaching for this one. I mean, okay. Uh, before, you know. I, well, yeah, I do, but um, I no, would yeah, also like, tell I you that the only MC overall. movies I really rewatch are Guardians, like the Guardians movies and Thor, Ragnarok, and I guess yeah. Avengers One was a heavy rewatch back in the day, but now it's not because I've watched it so much. But I think, but yeah, I think it's too long. I think I might go back and rewatch some of the earlier episodes just for fun. Yeah. I think the second episode in particular, I could just show my dad and he'd probably get a hoot out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two episodes. It's just like, once the story goes on, I don't think he'd be as interested. Uh, yeah. But I think there was a lot of quality in those first few episodes that are kind of easy to forget now because they were so long ago. That's another reason why I wanted to sit down and rewatch the whole thing as one. Right, right. Yeah, I, I honestly forgot about the uh, Monica waking up in the hospital scene. Yeah. Um, and how good that was. Well, one, I mean, I'm referring to the sitcom is. stuff, the first two sitcom yeah. episodes. I, yeah. A lot of people didn't like that premiere, but looking back on it, uh, I think they promised a better show than what we got. It's kind of disappointing, mm. but it's, it was what it is. 
Um, yeah. So let's do some review aspects of the show. Who was your All MVP right. actor on this? My MVP actor for this one is going to be um, Elizabeth Olsen. Yep. Are you going to justify it? I bet I, <laughs> oh, I, I just have to take my word. That's it. No, um, I would say Elizabeth Olsen because, yeah, she didn't necessarily get the strongest of script, but dang, like, I... She got a strong I, script I when it mattered. She got a strong, what? like, when it really mattered for her, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I also, like... I did not want to root necessarily for Wanda the more and more that she was like that it became apparent that she was the one behind creating the hex and uh, it was all because of her as to why these people were trapped in there Um, I I didn't want to cheer for the bad guy. I thought there were some great moments of, uh, like, when she first walked out of the hex. She does and the Hayward. code switching excellently on this Yes, show. yes. And it's, like, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal performance from from her. And, uh, and yeah, I'm excited to see where, where she goes with it in the future. How about you? Uh, I gotta go with... Uh... I, I'm glad you picked Elizabeth Olsen because I, fe- I was worried you're going to pick who I'm going to pick, and I feel like it would have been controversial if we both picked Paul Bettany. Uh, Paul Bettany to me did the best selling of the comedic aspects of this show. Mm-hmm. There were he always would do like these quick glances that were really good, uh, and like then once the show starts heating up, he is to me more of the emotional anchor of it uh, as he's trying to understand what he is. Uh, and tying into our next one, he is the reason my favorite episode is my favorite episode. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Paul Bettany did brilliantly in the show. I think Elizabeth Olsen was great too. But the thing was, is I've been dying to see Paul Bettany like really let loose on the MCU, and this yeah. he finally did it, uh, and he really was great. I wouldn't be opposed to the Emmy nominations for either of them. They're both really great on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your favorite episode? Mine is episode five, um, the '80s episode. Uh, that was the episode. It comes right after, obviously, episode four. Yeah. <laughs> four comes after five. I don't know if you've heard, uh, but episode four, you know, is like when they unveiled all the sword stuff. Um, yeah. So at that point, I still believed Monica would matter in the show, and the sword stuff was compelling because we were seeing Monica really wake up from her stuff. And at that point, her believing in Wanda wasn't annoying yet. It was just yeah. kind of like, huh, okay. Um, and so the sword stuff still itself. The sword stuff still felt fresh, even if it wasn't as good as the Wanda and Vision stuff. I felt that's the scene where Wanda confronts Sword. That's the episode with that one where Wanda confronts Sword. And meanwhile, yeah, Vision yeah. like is understanding everything. We get that absolutely electric uh, argument between Wanda and Vision at the end of it, and then the Evan Peters mm-hmm. reveal. Which, even if it ultimately gets me mad, I uh, I gotta say that it was really good like it was uh like you know what i mean like yeah the reveal in the moment was great so what was your favorite episode tyler i would say my favorite episode would be the same as what you said would be episode five nice because then we the story actually felt like we were being guided guided along a cohesive storyline um 
rather than it it could get choppy and i just want i want to stress to me and i think you agree with me here this is what i want to stress is like the end of episode five it felt like the show could go anywhere and that was such an exciting feeling exactly that was i think that was our three hour episode wasn't it our three hour podcast was that one wasn't it it was and like i i I know that was that was a stress on poor tyler having to edit it but it was three hours for a reason like there was so much to talk about there Mm -hmm. and it was all so exciting and i think that even if the show ultimately let us down in some ways Especially with Evan Peters, that doesn't change the fact that like the stuff of Wanda and Vision in that episode is so good, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So what's All the right, worst wh- episode though? I think the worst episode was uh, the time that they did what people were considering to be the Modern Family episode. Okay. Even with yeah. Agatha all along at the end. Even with Agatha all along, I I just that one just kind of drug. And the vision storyline is very rough. Vision, there. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what do you think? What was your, what was the best moment? Wait, wait, wait! I didn't say show. what my worst episode was. Ah! Ah, don't be rude, Tyler. God, let me answer. <laughs> Sorry. What What was the worst episode? Mine's for the Brady you? Bunch episode where she gives birth to the kids. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's that's yeah. my worst one. It's yeah. nothing. It's a boring episode. The ending gives you a twist, but then you see it again in episode four from a more interesting angle. Right. So it's like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What do you think about the best moment? No, I, I've already mentioned my best moment. My best moment is the argument between Wanda and Vision uh, at the end of episode five. When the credits start rolling, but then even after that, when Wanda, Vision just Vision like interrupts the credits and just like, I'm scared, Wanda. Such a great moment. And both both Bettany and Olsen are but honestly to me that episode that scene should be both their Emmy submissions they're both incredible in it just such yeah. a great moment and I was like the show may never top this moment and it never did but it's okay cause we'll, that's my thing is we'll always have episode 5 so <laughs> what about you uh, yeah the be- yeah the best moment for me was uh and I, I feel bad saying that the best moment was when parents, when two kids lost their parents. But you can uh, it was executed me, well. It was it was executed very well, and also we had talked about this um, last week. In is that how relevant that was to uh, to viewers now who are watching who are watching this show from home? Uh, some people watching with with others and you know that's yeah it was a good tradition yeah and then we see that happen we see that's what they're doing they're watching the dick van dyke show but then that's all taken away by this bomb that's dropped on their house yeah um so so yeah and also seeing that seeing that violence through the eyes of the children that i think that that you really really, should watch um, jojo rabbit at some point man that's I'm, not gonna, I'm never gonna pick it for your. Uh, I'm never gonna pick it for these special green room things. You should just watch it on your own. I think you'd you'd really I've, like it. Yeah, I've been waiting for it to come out on on streaming. It's on. But it's I, on HBO. I I know you don't have it, HBO. but it's on HBO. Yeah, it will probably well, be on Hulu eventually. You know, because hmm. Disney, because it's Fox Searchlight. But yeah, oh, true. Yeah, uh, it will be on Hulu at some point, I guess. Um. Uh, our next one is. The most disappointing aspect. 
Uh, I'll let you go first because I feel like you might actually say what my might be, but I haven't. My I'm honestly most, iffy on what I'm going to pick for this because I think there are multiple options here. My most disappointing aspect is just overall. Just <laughs> the, the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's the lack of character development okay but I, I, you have to pick one that's the thing is you have to pick okay. you can't just say I like to pick just one okay because I, i'm i'm stuck between choosing i'm stuck between two two and i think we're in the two same of them yeah and i think they're both the same um i i'm honestly it's they really did well actually they what really are you two did evan, God, i think there i think evan there's a third Peter, option that you evan might pick peters it's evan peters yeah um and that one rolling out to be what it was or wasn't yeah and then uh monica's story yeah okay cool i was worried you're gonna say hayward i'm like hayward's disappointing but like i wasn't ever expecting anything yeah, great hayward's from him. disappointing but i wasn't like it yeah it's not like i was like Come on, give him a story from day one. So I guess yeah, um, I I do think it's between Evan Peters and Monica. Uh, I'm glad we're in agreement there. I think to me, I guess the thing is with Evan Peters is it's disappointing in a meta sense with the casting and how what it means for what Disney's trying to do with recoding. So yeah, but I guess the thing there is that eventually, five years down the road, we're not going to be like mad. Like I'll still be mad about it, but it won't be like something that's still affecting the story. To me, I guess it's got to be Monica. Because no matter what, this will always be Monica's first story. No, five years from now, if you meet Danny while walking down the streets, do not mention. Don't mention Evan Ralph Boner to me. I'll hit you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to me, that's what makes it Monica. Even though Evan Peters has got more rants in here, is that no matter what, this will be Monica's first story in the MCU. There's mm-hmm. nothing that will ever change that. Well, I guess Captain yeah. Marvel is her first story, but this will be her origin story as a superhero. Right. Um, and the fact is is that ultimately I think Captain Marvel does better for her than this does. And that's such a shame because she's a child in that that does nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, do you agree with me it's Monica or do you think it's Evan Peters? No, I'm going to have to go with Monica. As much as I want to be... I can still be disappointed with the Evan Peters thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, but the I, most I will all, like, I'm not going to be like... Yeah. Evan Peters gets me more animatedly mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, the reveal was so good. Mm-hmm. But then it just... It was Which, nothing but a... It, and I don't... like it Again, people like compare this to Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. But I don't think it's the same thing at all. Yeah. No. No. No, it's not. So that gets us to our next category, which is best surprise. So what would be the best surprise Well, the you? tempting thing to say is Evan Peters in the moment was the best surprise. But to yeah. me, the payoff remil- like ruins it. Uh, same thing with like Agatha all along. Even though it wasn't a surprise, it was just a fun surprise that they would reveal it with a song. Mm-hmm. What would you say your best surprise is? Because I actually have one, but I don't think you're going to pick it. And I want you to say yours because I think you'll, ch- you'll change yours to mine. No offense. <laughs> I think mine is a, a good one. I'm going to go with the Evan Peters moment being the being the best surprise yeah it was the best surprise that i i found myself smiling super super big yeah i was even, too even though i was like what i won't I smile on rewatch invested? but yeah i was like in the moment what? it was good yeah it was it was really good and i was i was super super excited yeah <sighs> so what about you <laughs> well okay i'm gonna do a surprise that to me 
ultimately, it's still like it still works as a surprise, and it, I'm still excited about it. And that to me is actually in episode eight, uh, the reveal that Vision's body is still out there, and we're getting gray Vision. That was mm. something I wasn't really expecting from the show. Yeah, uh, it was the one post credit scene in the show that really works for me. Uh, and it kind of goes with the reveal that Wanda didn't steal Vision's body. Like, I thought those reveals in Episode 8 were the best parts of Episode 8, really. Yeah. Uh, and it works, like, as a surprise, it's like, awesome, I'm gonna get more Paul Bettany in the MCU after this. In a way that doesn't degrade the story this is telling with Wanda's character. Gotcha. Uh, so, most excited to see more of. I'll also let you start here, because I think mine is unusual, too. I'm I'm most excited to uh, to see more of uh, Photon Spectrum Monica Rambo. It's yeah, it's pretty I, it's pretty impressive I, that like they did her character so dirty, but yet we still want to see more of her. Well, she's yeah. not my pick, and, but and I like the thing is, and I've not I've not looked it up yet either, but we don't really know what her true power set is. Yeah, you know. With, uh, what abilities she necessarily has. I mean, it seems there's quite a bit. I hope we don't get to a point where it's just everyone is overpowered. In my opinion, Captain Marvel's overpowered, um, but the MCU does a good job of addressing that she's a one-man team. That's why, yeah. That's why One-woman she... team going out into the into the universe and saving things, by, saving the day by herself everywhere else. You know, um, so I thought the MC- think the MCU's done a really good job with that. Um, I hope they don't do that with Monica. My thing with Monica is I just hope they give her a solo thing at some point. Yes, yes, uh, she definitely and needs I, a I solo. Think, I think uh, to say in general, I think Marvel has this issue that they're finally fixing with Falcon and Winter Soldier where they have these really great people of color in roles and they keep them in supporting roles. They're yeah. fixing with Falcon Winter Soldier because I know Sam is meant to be the real lead of that show, not uh, Bucky at all. Not Bucky. I think mm-hmm. I think it's being I don't know I think it's being marketed as Falcon and Winter Soldier because Winter Soldier is popular too. Uh, yeah. But from what I've been getting, the vibe of is Sam is by far it's not even a co-led show like Wanda. Like okay, so this was a co-led show, but Wanda was the lead, right? Yeah. Wanda was yeah. the absolute. I mean, we you can definitely tell that in the last three episodes yeah. of how much screen time Wanda got versus Vision. Vision. Um, yeah. whereas, and I feel like that's what Falcon Winter Soldier is, it's definitely gonna be but my point is, I would like to see lead shows by these supporting characters, or lead movies like, I would, I wanted a Valkyrie show I yeah. want a Photon show or a Photon movie Valkyrie uh, and Matt Damon Yeah, <laughs> Matt Damon also deserves his, his Disney Plus show uh, but yeah, that's my take on Monica's features I am excited to see more of her but I hope after Captain Marvel 2 it's not like she's third build in Secret Invasion. I want her to get her own thing. Yeah, yeah. What are you most excited to see more of? I'm excited... Okay, so the option I want to mention that we aren't mentioning on this is obviously Wanda and Vision. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see where Great Vision goes next, but he's not my most excited. I'm excited to see the kids. I want to see where mm. they come go from here, because I'm yeah. sure we'll get them back by the end of Doctor Strange 2. We've got to have them back before Young Avengers. Yeah, so. and I really like... And I hope they're the same age. I love these kid actors mm-hmm. they got. And I, as I said before, I really think having young superheroes is such an exciting thing that we've only really seen in the Incredibles and mainstream stuff. And the idea yeah. of Marvel tapping into that, 
the moment where they referenced the Incredibles in this episode was one of my favorite moments. And to the point where I was a little disappointed we didn't get more of uh, the kid's power set in the fight. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really like the idea of kids' superheroes, and this was really fun. I, I hope... Well, they're shooting Doctor Strange 2 now, so I can assume that if the kids are back, we'll get them back next year. And those kids' actors are still pretty young. So, final thoughts. Absolute final thoughts on the show, not on the finale. Final thoughts on the show? Yeah. Or final thoughts on the podcast? <laughs> well, no, I mean final thoughts on WandaVision as a show. Oh, we we kind of right. wrapped up our thoughts on the series finale earlier. Uh, okay. My final thoughts on WandaVision is, even though it ultimately didn't get... It didn't give me the payoff I hoped for, uh, I think the ride was worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. And not just in the sense that, oh, we're doing a podcast where we talk about it. I thought that the ride of WandaVision made, gave Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany a lot more stuff than they've deserved. Not yeah. deserved, like, a lot more that... You know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Speaking. And I think... Uh, it gave us good casting in Tiana Paris. Hopefully, she's used well later. Same mm-hmm. with Catherine Hahn. Uh, I think I think it's interesting that in our recap, we never mentioned Catherine Hahn at all. Like our like our awards type of thing. We never, she never came up. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. She was she was like the quiet uh, unsung hero of this. In that, even after she was revealed as Agatha, her performance to me still made Agatha more compelling than the writing did. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, and I liked that Randall Park got a paycheck, I guess. But no, but I do think ultimately WandaVision, that was my thing. I texted my friend about this afterwards because he was like, he, he t- I completely closed myself off from reactions from the finale. And uh, he texted me, was the WandaVision as finale disappointing as my timeline is making it sound like? I'm like, I haven't, I haven't seen anything about it, bro. Uh, and I texted him after I watched it. I was like, ultimately, like, I got what I was expecting from it and a little better. Uh, even though if the ride in the middle of it, I was like, this could be so great. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't. I still got something that was pretty good out of it. That's mm-hmm. my take on the whole show. Yeah. So yeah, my final my final thoughts are you you want more out of the MCU. This, this was the way to get it. Um, I mean, you think about it. We did not have anything MCU for quite a long time. Um, yeah. So having something, having this come back was really nice. I am, yeah. Um, I'm ultimately really glad this came out before Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Especially because I feel like this back to back of Loki wouldn't let us appreciate this less. Because yeah. I feel like when we're yeah. watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, we're gonna, I'm gonna have you like, this is it. I this feel is like solid, it's, but it's not as like, it's not Wandavision. Yeah. I feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be a very different genre and pacing total yeah. compared to what WandaVision You'll get your hour-long episodes. Is. Exactly. <laughs> Cut so, to uh, it being 49 minutes every time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, those are my my final thoughts. I don't really have like a, like a, oh, I don't know, some big, big some, some final, summary. final thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't really have a big summary on well, it. yeah, and I think you... part of it's also because I'm I'm still digesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I'm kind of surprised it's been a I bit could of a ride. that too. Because as I said, I want to rewatch it. Yeah, as in one um, sitting, seeing how that works. So, and it actually, I will say one thing that this show did was that it reintroduced the uh, the concept of watching TV a TV show one episode at a time 
per week. Yeah, um, Mando did that too, that, but I think WandaVision's yeah. mystery box aspect of it, which I think ultimately the mystery box storytelling is flawed, and I think aspects of that have made WandaVision bad. Yeah. But I do think the weekly discussion did not was not a bad part. No. I think maybe when people were like, oh, Reed Richards is going to be here next week, and then they didn't get him. People were like, how dare they not give me Reed Richards? That's How dare ludicrous. we did not get John Krasinski? <laughs> as we've already said uh we're doing something special for the green room uh but we're also since we don't have anything new next week except for the behind the scenes of wandavision which i'm gonna try to watch before we record but i don't know if i'll be able to get to it because we're gonna record a bit early uh but we have we have two weeks till falcon and winter soldier uh so we're gonna do our first retro episode it's gonna be on captain america civil war uh because in my opinion, that's where we get the Falcon and Winter Soldier relationship best before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking. For, so we're going to talk about that. We're not going to just talk about though in regards to Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're going to talk about it as a movie. Uh, hopefully, eventually, at some point, we'll have every MCU movie covered on this podcast. But we're not going to rush through them because there's going to be a lot of off weeks. Um, but Captain America: Winter Soldier, not Captain America: Civil War. It's the first one we're doing. We'll have a special guest on here, too, that we'll introduce here next week to talk about it. But if you want to really follow along, you have homework this week. you got to rewatch Captain America Civil War, or watch it for the first time ever. But if you've listened to this podcast somehow without ever seeing it, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you should, if you also want to follow along with our green room discussions, you can rent Can You Ever Forgive Me and the Cat in the Hat movie. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I love that Captain uh, and I, America and to Civil be clear, War we'll also talk about one other movie on the green room but I don't know what it is because it'll be whatever our guest wants to talk about so yeah uh, now yeah so come back next yeah. week and then so, come back uh, afterwards if you want to skip next week make sure you come back for our Falcon and Winter Soldier recaps the week after thank you for listening to this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan You can catch us on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. Starting next week, you can also listen to us on YouTube at our channel, Why Is With Ty and Dan. YouTube? What? Airhorn. I know, right? Like and subscribe, like Dr. Strange. Um, Heyo. Anyway, you can also follow us on Twitter. At why is with tie in one because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd for reviews of movies such as Raya and the Last Dragon, and also ones that aren't included in the MCU, which Raya and the Last Dragon isn't included in the MCU, so I don't know why I need to clarify. But moreover, actually, I do want to give a little bit of a little bit of a thing is that I will be putting up my own review of WandaVision as a show, probably actually before the time this podcast is up because that's why I'm rewatching it because I want to be able to write a letterbox review of it. I know, right? Dedicating four hours of my weekend just so I can write a letterbox review. It's insane. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening, guys, for all the last eight weeks of WandaVision. Hopefully you stick around for more Marvel stuff later on. Uh, Bye, guys. I thought you were going to say goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.